Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks for downloading the Sunranto Show. You can listen early and ad-free if you subscribe at patreon.com slash sunranto and join the 103 other super ranters who subscribed at patreon.com slash sunranto. There are perks at every level. Please join today and become a super ranter and support Cubs podcasting. Here's the show. Cubby blue blood flowing through our veins. Sitting in the bleachers in the rain. We shed a million tears and drank as many old stuff beers out at the game. Let's go, Cubby Sorrento. With Michael. Sorrento. And Paulie. Sorrento and the love of a loser. Sorrento. With Michael. Sorrento. And Paulie. Sorrento and the love of a loser. Sorrento. Oh, Michael Cotton, you're in fine voice today. I've been watching you uh, drink those beers out of that advent calendar, and it's got you good and uh, lubed up in the throat. Sound good. I've been practicing my scream all day because the derecho is coming, and I may need help. (laughs) <laughs> if it's anything like the last day, Rachel, you're definitely going to need help. You still have down trees in your yard from last year. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, and, uh, well, welcome to the Sun Ranto Show. This is a special edition, a special lockout edition of the Sun Ranto Show because uh, and we, I'm here. I'm Danny Rocket. We got uh, Crawley over there, and we got Michael Cotton. And, uh, it, you know, just to not waste any more time, we decided that uh, since it is the lockout, and I don't feel like talking about, you know, the negotiations between the owners and the players and what it all means for us, I thought it would be better to um, have a night where we talk to uh, former Cub lefty Glendon Rush. So uh, without further ado, here's Glendon. Hey, Glendon, welcome to the Sun Ranto Show. Um, it's awesome to have you here, and uh, in in this lockout time, these these this cold winter lockout that we're experiencing. Uh, first of all, how are you? I'm good. Good to see you guys. Um, yeah, man, I miss baseball. I miss the uh, stuff that's normally going on in the winter right now. So it's it's been a little been a little rough. This this last weekend was supposed to be uh, the uh, winter meeting, actually. Yeah, the yeah. So I mean, usually, yeah, usually we're seeing uh, coming into the winter meetings possibilities of free agents going uh, to different places, moves being made, all that fun stuff. Uh, we're of course all sitting around predicting what our teams are going to do, how well they're going to play, who they're going to sign, who they're not going to sign, um, and none of that's going on, which is uh, sucks right now. Yeah, it, it's actually it's already making the off season feel longer. It is. And it's only just been like a month and a half or something. Because like the lack of activity, it's kind of, kind of like when you're you're sick in bed and you're not doing anything. It's just like okay, this, these two days feel like nine. 
Um, Glendon, usually when I we bring people on the Sun Ranto show, I, I find this guy. There's this guy on YouTube that just sings people's names. So it would be like, Glendon, Glendon, Glendon. But I could, they didn't have one for you. They've had one for every single other person that we've I've ever tried to look for one for. But there's none for Glendon. So I got curious, and I thought, I'm like, well, you know, who else is named Glendon? I don't know any other Glendons in the world. And then so I, I looked up uh, about Glendons, and there is one. And his name is Glendon Swarthout. Did you know about him? No, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> yeah, he's a writer. He wrote "Where the Boys Are" and "The Shootist," which John was John Wayne's last film. And then, oh yeah, so, I see that movie. But I was looking stuff up, and uh, then I just clicked on this Google link, and I found this this chart. It seems like you were born in 1974. That was peak Glendon. 1974, right there. You can see for the podcast listeners that are just listening to us right now, you can see that there's a huge spike right in the mid 70s of babies born, baby boys born named Glendon. And uh, so, congratulations. Uh, you got to get on that site because there's only one famous Glendon, and uh, you got to go to famousnames.vip and submit your, your digits, you know, and, and submit yourself because, you know, there, there's got to be at least two. But there's a little bit of a backstory behind it. It might, it, there's a little kid, it might date you guys a little bit, but there's a little kid and on the Brady Bunch, his name was Oliver. If you remember little cousin yeah. Oliver that was on the Yeah, that was like uh, when they jumped the shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So he was on, he was on a show in 1974 and I don't remember the exact name of it. That actor, same little, little actor and his name was Glendon and my parents loved it. And so, you know, I'm probably, you know, I came like 11 after my brothers and sisters that are 11, 12, and 14 years older than me. So at that point, they're like, whatever. It was the name of Glennon. Who cares? <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, I don't, I don't run. I've never run into another Glennon. That's, that's uh, definitely the truth. But yeah, peak 74. Peak 74. <laughs> I, know, I was born the, actually the exact same year. I am 1974 baby I, as well. I feel like that spike was literally it might it was you and just like one other person there was only two but that's what made the spike go up that the high spike of Glendon's. yeah it went <laughs> zero it went zero from 1900 to 73 and then two and back yep. back down and across yeah and and it was probably all cuz of that little annoying Oliver kid too you know it just, no doubt yeah, no that doubt. kid was the, that kid was the worst. It's like you know, all the you know, once like you know, once Cindy hit puberty, they needed another kid. Like the Cosby Show did the exact same thing. They Rudy aged out of it, so then they needed um, who, whatever the little kid they got on after that. Olivia, Olivia, yeah. yeah every single show would do. Uh, Family Ties did it. Just Remember? so you know, Glendon, I'm the king of useless information. So, <laughs> Good. I'm starting. I'm realizing in my in my somewhat older age, I'm starting to forget too much because. Man, I'm I'm watching stuff that uh, even my my boys and I the the other night were watching some old footage that you know we pulled out some old DVDs and we were watching old footage, and there was a few games that I was pitching in um, that first of all I looked awful, threw off, <laughs> and I was embarrassed to show my kids. But uh, I could I didn't remember most of the you know I'm like man I don't remember this at bat or these pitches or whatever. It's weird. It's yeah. As you get older, you lose some of it. Now, well, you I remember mean, being drafted in the 17th round by the Royals in 1993, correct? I remember that, yes. I remember were, that were you very like, well. You know, there's 30 teams, you know, and they're not all created equal. So when it's the Royals, we're like, were you like, oh, man, the Royals? Could have been the Yankees, could have been the Red Sox, the Cubs, you know, some the Dodgers, some big old team. Or were you like, cool, man, I dig the Royals? 
Like, I, I was. I did dig the Royals. I like that. Um, my scout that signed me, Jeff McKay and uh, and uh, Joe Carp, the the scouts there for Kansas City that signed me were awesome. And and at that time, you know, ninety three, you get the phone call, right? As opposed to uh, seeing it on Twitter or, or on MLB Network. And you know, when you're five hundred plus picks behind a Rod, nobody's gonna put you on TV, <laughs> right? So. So, uh, yeah, no, I was excited and, and uh, excited to sign, man. I wanted to go play. I, my, my dream was to play professionally, and I, you know, at that point in time, probably not the smartest decision in the world to skip college and sign out of high school as a 17th rounder, but fortunately I was able to stay healthy and it worked out okay. I wanted to ask you about that, too, because we actually were debating this last week on the show, you know, given the CBA contract. And one of the things that's on the table is being able to trade draft picks and things like that, as they do in other sports. And what we said was, you know, in many ways, the baseball draft isn't as important as, you know, who you get in the first round, because there's guys from all rounds that made it. And I looked it up and in the later rounds of the year you were drafted, which was uh, 1993, uh, Bill Mueller's in the later rounds, Jermaine Dye, uh, Dave Roberts, Placido Polanco, Alex Cora, R.A. Dickey. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys. Uh, what, it, what is, uh, I guess, what's your feeling on that? Like, it, is, the, is it more important in baseball, the draft pick? And, and I know they're, that's part of the negotiations, but is that even a starter as far as something that would even have an impact on the sport? I think it could. I think it could have an impact if, if, if you're able to make some deals and start using those as leverage. And I look, I also think that um, they need to figure out a way that you're, you're not able to – look, we don't want tanking, right? We, we, it would be great to see some sort of um, something – I don't know how to, how to leverage the draft in a way that, that it makes it – fair for everybody, but there's got to be a way to keep some of these lower market teams and teams that are struggling with bad records not to play, you know, average or below baseball down the stretch uh, to make it more exciting um, and, and figure out a way that those draft picks mean more and, and they can hopefully build, help build an organization. Look, look what the Cubs did with, you know, building around a, a nucleus of young players leading into what they did to win the World Series is a hu- huge part of the way an organization works. Look what uh, the organization that I worked for uh, as a pitching coach, the Padres, um, they've, you know, they used a lot of those prospects as future bargaining chips, making deals, getting guys. They're not necessarily all homegrown. Everybody kind of thinks Tatis is homegrown. He's not. Right. He White was a, Sox. <laughs> yeah. He was acquired after, after, um, you know, giving up. At the time, James Shields, who they who they paid a lot of money to, but but got a chip back that ends up being a you know potential Hall of Fame type player. So it would they need to do something um, probably different than what's going on now. Is it, do you think it's because that teams are tanking to get those first round picks that you know one through five, and, and is that the reason behind tanking? I know it it matters to like 2011, 2012, 2013 for the Cubs organization because they they picked well, but not everybody is even still on the team from those years. You know, it's like you hit with Chris Bryant and Bryant and other guys. You know, weren't you know they didn't end up having the same career as Chris Bryant. Uh, other guys Nora. weren't Chris Bryant. Yeah, other, other guys weren't Chris Bryant. Surprise, surprise. But like, that's what I'm. I, I guess that's what I'm wondering is if they if they could somehow work the draft in a way that you're that just because you had you lost 117 games that year, you don't get the first pick. Maybe that there would be more incentive to try. Is that kind of what you're suggesting? 
Yeah, maybe there's a lottery system that, uh, that goes into it that doesn't make it just a slam dunk. You know, lose 110 games, you get the first pick. Um, I, I think there, I think there's got to be ways to do it. I know there's a lot of smart people working on on both sides, and and hopefully they put something together. I love Tony Clark. Um, you know, for the Players Association, I played with Tony, known him a long time, and I, and I and hopefully they'll they'll do something that that works out because the look at the end of the day, we want to see hopefully twenty to twenty five teams competing throughout the year, and maybe five rebuilding organizations as opposed to. Uh, more on the other side, rebuilding or struggling or losing a hundred games. It's no it, no players going out there trying to tank. No nobody on any of those rosters that are struggling, whether it be Baltimore or Pittsburgh or somebody recently that's that's struggling. They're not going out there trying to lose games. They're going out there trying to win every day and compete and you know get a contract, make money, and continue to further their career. So, uh, but but from an organizational standpoint, those first round picks have become gold, right? Right now, now you were, you know, you mentioned the World Series and the Cubs winning it, and and me being a memorabilia junkie, the first thing I did was like look right behind you and see all that stuff. You have the Royals jersey kind of off screen a little bit, right? Yeah. But you were in a World Series yourself when you were with the Mets, and you were in the Subway Series, and we always kind of talk as Cub fans. Imagine if the Cubs played the White Sox in the world series. What was that vibe like when, uh, when the cut, when you had that subway series? It was incredible. Uh, something I'll never forget. I was fortunate enough to, to get there. And, you know, I left Kansas city via trade showed up in New York at the end of 99 when they were on that playoff push, ended up winning the wild card uh, after a one game playoff. And I kind of got to be there as a spectator slash player, right? I wasn't eligible for the playoffs, and I got to watch those veteran guys go about their business and be a part of a, a pennant run and, and, you know, make it to uh, the NLCS and lost to the Braves. But it was kind of a cool preview for me. And then going into spring training the following year, um, I got an opportunity to make the job, you know, to win a job and make the rotation. And, and we ended up in the World Series that year. Look, the Yankees were phenomenal during that stretch. Everybody knows it. 96 you know, and then, and then 98, 99, 2000, then went again in 01 and lost. But um, we were on the tail end of three in a row for them. And, and their bullpen was so good. Obviously, the, their whole team was great. But um, Stanton, Nelson, Rivera, when they got the lead, we, we couldn't do anything. We lost four games by, I think, a total of five runs in that series. So it was closer series than it looks, being four to one. And uh, we definitely walked into it thinking we could win that series, and we were just as good or better of a team than they were, but but they were better in that series than we were. Now, I tell yeah. you, I, I lived in New York during that whole period. I for, I lived in New York for 17 years, uh, and so I was there through that whole Yankees dynasty. And I can tell you, being a Cubs fan, and, and I lived pretty about – Two miles from Yankee Stadium in northern Manhattan, I can tell you that uh, there everybody that everybody that wasn't a fan or that was a fan of any other team but the Yankees what became a Mets fan during that particular series because it's just like we couldn't take it anymore you know watching people screaming out the windows you know living by the Bronx and we were all rooting for you man but it, it just didn't it didn't come to fruition. Yeah. Um, but it, could you talk about a little bit about that rivalry? It's like I know that that's a that's kind of New York. It's a it's kind of a hotbed of media. You know, at your 
playing in kind of a firestorm. You're on the back of the New York Post every day with some stupid phrase, you know, making fun of you or, or hanging one on your head. Uh, how different is it to play in a place like New York or Chicago uh, than it is to, you know, play in Kansas City or Colorado? It's, it's a lot different. I, I think that um, New York gave me a really good uh, crash course on how to handle it. So, so, you know, a handful of years later when I ended up in Chicago – um, I kind of, I kind of was older and a little wiser and understood that, um, that the media is going to do what they're going to do. You just need to do your job. And, uh, man, I, I loved being in Chicago. I loved playing in New York, um, going there, going to New York after Kansas city was a huge transition. You know, I, I drafted by them, came up smaller market team, Midwest, not nearly the media scrutiny that you have in, in New York and Chicago, um, but from a rivalry standpoint, there's nothing like the New York series, but the Cubs White Sox series was as close as you can get. I mean, you, you guys saw when, when I was there, we were part of all the fun stuff with Barrett and Krasinski and, and everything, that, you know, I mean, those series were just awesome. We, we, one of my favorite games I ever played in or ever pitched was, um, the 4th of July, the Sunday night baseball game and, you know, at Wrigley against the White Sox, me against Burley, it probably took about an hour and 45 minutes, but man, <laughs> it was, it was fun, packed house and, and, you know, knowing that, you know, all my friends and family were able to watch and, and the atmosphere at Wrigley that night was incredible. I was talking to you about memorabilia and it's funny you mentioned that because I just got this piece so Michael Barrett, you know, is a really good guy and a uh, teammate of yours, and he punched Przinsky. I was actually at the game. Okay. So that was, you know, uh, you know, Przinsky gets in, slams the plate, and then Barrett just clocks him. And uh, he signed for me that photo. I have it signed by AJ and Przinsky. He didn't want to sign it, but we kind of came up with a deal because he is he did it for Montreal because he's an expo. So yeah. we did it for that, and it was it turned out awesome. I can't wait to display that one. But uh, you come to the Cubs in 2004, and, you know, you talk about thinking we're going to win a World Series. I mean, the Cubs just came off 2003, and we picked up Greg Maddox. So you kind of come into that with all that craziness. What was it like when you first met Greg Maddox in spring training that year in Mesa? Um, it, gosh, it was like the last day of spring training, pretty much. I was I was in camp, believe it or not, with the Rangers that whole spring. Um, was told that I wasn't going to make the opening day roster, and I had an out in my contract, so I signed the very same day and went over to uh, Cubs camp, said hi to everybody really quick, threw on a t-shirt and a, and a and a uniform, went out and pitched an inning the last spring training game in Mesa for the Cubbies. Uh, Said hi to Greg in there. I'd met him previously, um, you know, as as we were going against each other and on opposing teams. And I had his brother Mike as my pitching coach in Milwaukee, so I'd known him a little bit. But um, we started to develop a friendship and relationship as 2004 went on, and and are still good buddies to this day. And we 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 still keep in contact. And that whole crew is. Um, really tight, tight with um, Dempster, you know, Woody, Pryor. I worked for Pryor um, in the Padres organization, worked with him, love Mark, and, and all of us guys still stay in contact. I was on the golf course today. I live five minutes away from Todd Wellmeyer. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Big Welly uh, and I went yeah. out and played nine holes today. So it was um, it was warm enough here in Kentucky that, uh, that we got some holes in. So it was good to see him. But, yeah, we have a really tight-knit group. It's 63 in Chicago today. 
We could be playing baseball down at Wrigley. There's no reason except for the lockout, of course. Um, (laughs) Before we continue on uh, with talking with Glennon, we're just going to take a quick moment for a slight commercial break. Uh, I know that you're all shopping this Christmas, so uh, hoping that uh, you'll use our links at sunranto.com slash shopping. But here's a commercial for it just for fun. If you're like most Americans, you buy shit. Lots of shit. Sometimes you buy shit for other people. Sometimes you buy shit for yourself. And sometimes you buy shit you have to buy just to stay alive. So why not buy shit through the Sunranto affiliate links at sunranto.com slash shopping. We've got tons of shit you can buy. Go to sunranto.com, click on the shopping link, then click our ads and buy shit. We've got Amazon. They've got tons of shit. But you can also buy MLB shit, NBA shit, NFL shit, fans ed shit, Southwest Airlines shit, Fanatic shit, Reebok shit, Wine of the Month shit, Beer of the Month shit, Bear Mattress shit, StubHub shit, Lid shit, Sports Memorabilia shit, Volcanica Coffee shit, Vibrator shit, Condom shit, Bag shit, NHL shit, and Audible Membership shit. There's a whole lot of shit that can help the Sun Ranto Show stay on the air so we can keep talking shit. So buy shit today through sunranto.com slash shopping. Thanks. Cubs Jesus thinks you're the shit. Wilder versus Fury, Mayweather versus Piqueo, electric personalities that produced big fights and even bigger betting opportunities. This Saturday, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley will be no different. So don't miss out on the action. Bet the fight with my bookie. My bookie has the best odds and props bets for Paul Woodley. And you can start by doubling your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000 using promo code SPORTSDRINK. That's double your deposit to double your funds and double the excitement for Paul Woodley at MyBookie. As much as we'd all love to see Jake Paul eat canvas, he's looked strong in previous matchups. And with Woodley taking this fight on short notice, all the odds are in Paul's favor. Back the problem child to win this rematch as he's sure to be the favorite. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code SPORTSDRINK. Head to MyBookie today, place your bets, fill your pockets, and watch this grudge match get settled with Paul versus Woodley. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. So I wanted to talk a little bit more. I know Crawley's wants to talk a lot about 2004, uh, quite a bit. Um, that was a tough, that was a tough division that year. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals end up winning 105 games. You, uh, the Astros and, uh, and the Cubs were fighting it out for that wild card spot. Um, Crawley, why don't you take it from here? Like, I know you have more, uh, more specific questions because you were, you were at the stadium every day that year. That was, that was a big Crawley year. Every, every year is a big crawl year. I love going to the games, but uh, that year was weird. But, um, you know, because the rotation, getting, you know, Maddox, and also you got Wood, Pryor, Maddox, Clement, Zambrano was going to be the starting five. And, and it was like, okay, we, we line up deeper and better than any team in the NL. And injuries kind of derailed a lot of things. So, you know, you were called on duty. A lot of guys were called on duty. That had to have been hard, like, you know, not expecting to be a starter that year. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I'm I'm a born and raised Seattle fan and a long time uh, Seattle Supersonics fan. I was the debt left shrimp of that rotation that year. Uh, <laughs> I was the sixth man um, filled in whenever I could. It was back and forth between starting and relieving. And to me, that, that 
was another part that kind of helped my career even last longer because I was able to do that. I was able to pitch out of the pen when Dusty wanted me to fill in and make a spot start. I could do that. And, and the ability to have my arm kind of bounce back fine and, and stay healthy doing that was, was great. And I think it kept me around longer too. No, well, yeah, no. and you're a lefty, so it's like, you know, you, you have all the tools there. <laughs> yeah, what is it about lefties? I mean, it seems like I didn't look it up or anything or do any analysis, but it seems to me that if, if you throw with your left hand and, and you're a pitcher, you can hang out a lot longer in the major leagues than a right-handed pitcher. And also, I guess the follow-up question to that is, what is it about – lefty on lefty matchups that make that the like one of the most difficult sought after you know like especially for like a hard throwing reliever the end at the end of a game or something like that what makes that such a like a a baseball commodity the the lefty yeah 10 percent of the 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 world is lefties 25 percent of baseball's lefties you know so what what is it about the leftiness of mlb um that you've thought about i guess your thoughts on that it, it, it's it's a weird matchup. Look, left-handed hitters hate it. They they don't like they don't like guys from that side that that they're not used to seeing that they don't pick up the ball as well. Um, and you see less, right? So if you, even if you went across the board with that ten percent, um, you see maybe two left-handed guys in the bullpen, maybe one in your rotation. Um, I know that uh, year in New York, Bobby Valentine loved the fact that we had three left-handers in our rotation that were actually three kind of different left-handed pitchers, Al Leiter, Mike Ham- you know, Al's perma-cutter, and uh, Mike Hampton was sinker-cutter, hard four-seamer, and I was fastball changeup, bigger curveball. So kind of three different guys, but all lefties, in, and uh, that ended up being a great asset for us. But, I, look, everyone always says, yeah, if you're handed and you have a heartbeat a job in MLB for quite a while, it, it, it uh, is, is kind of true. Not to downplay what we do, but you have an opportunity to stick around longer. And I don't know if the left-on-left matchups are as big a deal now as they were before with the new three-batter rule, which I think sucks. I think I, I'm not that big of a fan of it. Um, it for whatever reason, I mean, we're going down a whole other path, but that's not slowing down or speeding up the games. Um, we all know that. So that's all I got on that. Now, when the Cubs were coming into September in 2004, things are looking good. Now, uh, Joe Borowski, who was the closer previously, was injured, and uh, Latroy Hawkins took over, and all of a sudden September was just things kind of fell apart. Like, did you guys kind of feel the pressure in the locker room or what was kind of going on in your heads as you kind of kept having these really tough losses? A lot of tough losses. I remember um, I remember coming down the stretch, definitely not feeling like we were falling apart. I, I think we felt confident and we felt like we were going to pull through and win that thing. And it just we could never get anything to go the right way at the end. And, and uh, you know, I remember starting a game with maybe seven or eight games to play. I started a game against the Reds at home, and uh, we were right there. And then next thing you know, two or three games later, we were two back or whatever, and we're out of it, right, finishing up with the Braves. And, and that was frustrating because I felt like I had an opportunity when I was let go with, with Texas. When I showed up, if you could have asked me, any one of the 29 teams to show up and be a part of that year would have been the Cubs. And, and I got that opportunity and, and I felt like we were going to 
for sure be a playoff team and, and be a World Series contender with what we had, and it, it never came together. And, and, and you know, obviously you guys didn't make it to the postseason, but, you know, there's always been a lot of controversy that happened on that very last home game of the season. As you know, Sammy Sosa, who for a lot of us was a, the primary reason to be a Cub fan in the 90, he walks off in the first inning. He's gone. Boombox is destroyed, and everybody's pointing fingers. You got any insight of what was going on there or, or what ended up happening? <laughs> You, you feel you know. like throwing that out there? Yeah, one of my favorite questions. I was the guy. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Do you have pieces of the boombox? Is what we wanted. <laughs> oh yeah, is that in your uh, your your memorabilia behind you somewhere? Is a piece yeah. of that boombox? Yeah, just I just got one one of the uh, tape cassettes that comes out. Yeah, <laughs> I saved that. The uh, you know that that's always a, a touchy subject. Um, I lockered directly across from so if, so if I'm sitting at my locker now, straight behind me was Sammy's and and I so I lockered right next to him and, and he had a couple lockers and he had his boombox and he played his music uh, all the time and look I'm not going to tell you who broke it I don't even know if I remember exactly who broke it uh, <laughs> I'm sure there was some beers involved and, and everything else that went <laughs> along with it but yeah look we were frustrated. Um, Sammy is an icon, and the Cubs fans, uh, he, he brought so much to that city and so much to them in a Cubs uniform, and I'm sure you guys will all, you know, back that up because I, I was there for three years as a Cub but saw it as a visiting player too as I came in, and um, I, I would love to see him back in, in the graces of, of Cubs kingdom and, and everybody else that, uh, from a fan standpoint, that wants to see him back there, whether it's at a Cubs convention or, um, you know, just back at Wrigley in general, because I, I think he's brought so many great memories and so much joy to all the fans there that he deserves to, to be back in some capacity. It just, it seems so simple. And I always thought about that 2014, that centennial season when they brought everybody back. And I'm like, if there was ever a time, you know, 2014, the Cubs weren't a good team. If there's any time to have goodwill and mend some fences, it was that. And now it just seems like, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, nobody will back down from their position. And and the only one it hurts are the fans. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it is the only one. uh, The only people that get hurt are the fans in that one. And uh, look, if you can if you can uh, buy me a plane ticket and bring me back to a Cubs convention, I think Sammy could probably get uh, a ticket and and be back there as well. (laughs) Somebody might pay for that. You're right. The fans are always in every game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean the fans are so nice to me, and and uh, and and the organization's always been so good. As uh, you know, I wasn't there for a playoff team. I was there for three years. One of them wasn't so great, but uh, part of being a uh, you know, I guess putting together a reputation of being a good guy in the clubhouse and being good with the fans and everything else, and uh, the people have always welcomed me back, and I and I love that. Can we talk a little bit about rule changes? I was texting with you earlier, and I, I kind of like threw Michael Cotton under the bus, E.E. E. Cubbings on the show as, here. As they love to do. Yeah, well, that's kind of what your your function on this show, Michael, <laughs> is, is, is for us to throw you under the bus. But I, I asked you, I, I, I said that, uh, that you're anti-NLDH, so I was very clear about your position it's not that you're anti-dh clear yeah i'm I'm not he's not anti he's not anti-dh like for other leagues to have it he's just anti-nldh he thinks there should be a league that doesn't have it he finds it interesting that there's two different ways to play the game you weren't a bad hitting 
pitcher, Glendon. You were pretty good, but you also said, I can't wait to rag on his opinion. He, he literally texted this to me. Michael, I didn't tell you before the show because I wanted your genuine oh, reaction. All right. You, you want to start, Michael? You want me to start? <laughs> well, no, Mike, Mike, we've heard enough from Michael. I don't know. No, no, listen to this show. My, my whole thing is just that, numerous times. Yeah, my, my whole thing is just that in, in an era when we're trying to keep the game uh, entertaining and more exciting, the only real – excitement coming from interleague play is seeing people play a different style of baseball than what they're used to pitchers who never hit they get a chance to hit and you know and then uh in when the nl teams are in the al you know you're you're every like that's all we talk about for like the week leading up who's going to be the dh are they going to do this guy this guy this guy you know and it's interest it creates interest for the game so like i get it pitchers don't hit well uh, but I don't think that having one rule is necessarily good for the game because it takes one of the more interesting aspects out. So and that's Glennon, my whole thing. And, and Glennon, you were you were pretty good. I, I mean, it, I, I put a, you have three dongs that you you hit. Um, do you and, remember every single one of them? Yeah. Do you remember all your homers? Oh my gosh! Of course. <laughs> do, you, do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember who they are off of? Because I did look it up. I do, yeah. I uh, The first one was off Rick Helling. Uh, yeah. second one was off uh, Arizona. Chris, Chris Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cy Young, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. And the third one was off Luke Hudson from the Reds. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, then, uh, and I do have uh, two more homers in AAA, which I will talk about as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's one of my one of my crazy craziest games ever as a professional. It was in Iowa at the very beginning of that year in 2004 when I signed with the Cubs. I went to Iowa for like three weeks um, to stretch out into being a starter and, and everything else. But anyways, long story short, I was after two at bats. I was two for two with two homers, including a grand slam and six RBIs. Oh RBI. my god! <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So. No, so so I, I may have misinterpreted this. So so Michael, every everyone does, Glendon. Everyone so, does. So you're pro DH in both leagues, or or you you want to keep the national? No, no, I, I I don't like one rule. He wants two rules. One for the I, I like the fact that there's a DH in the AL and there's no DH in the NL because it creates interest when we put those two things together in those interleague games and in the World Series. I mean, that's a that's a huge storyline every single year, and I don't think taking uh, a point of interest out of the game is good for the game. Okay, I completely blew it. I completely blew it. I, I, thought, I thought you were saying you were pro DH in both leagues. I agree with you. I think the National League should stay the National League. And, oh, there we go. <laughs> and there's some reasons behind it. My, my one of my biggest reasons is not necessarily the pitchers hitting. It's it's the way the game is put together. The way the manager has to use the lineup. The way the pinch hitters are used. The way the double switch is used. Um, you know, they took part of that out of there with the with the extra inning. Um, you know, guy on second base thing. If that goes away and and you're forced to use the staff the way you have to use it, that that's a huge. Um, chess match between National League managers and and coaches and how they use that. Um, so no, I, I love the National League game the way it is. When I left Kansas City, went to New York, uh, I never wanted to go back to the American League, and it wasn't really because there's a DH in the lineup. 
it was because I loved the National League game. Um, but that's my opinion. That's the league I played in most. Um, I also love hitting. I love bunting. I love being a part of the game. I love the fact that I could help myself um, within a game if I could. Uh, Dempster and I talk about it all the time. I mean, he you know, took pride in being able to lay a bunt down and, and move a guy over and all that stuff. But those things have also changed in the evolution of the way the game is played now, too. We're not, we don't see as much running. We don't see as much bunting. We don't see hit and run that often. Things have we changed. We don't see as much fun, <laughs> as yeah. much action. As much yeah. action. Yeah. yeah. Glendon, Glendon, did we just become best friends? <laughs> I was thinking of that exact same thing. Well, I'm going to put it. I'm going to put your hitting stats up here because they're good. I mean, you know, I mean for for a pitcher, I'll, I'll I'll say. But you did manage to hit the Mendoza line a couple times, including 2006 with Chicago. Uh, it wasn't a lot of plate appearances. Oh, yet. look at those numbers in O two though. Good yeah, lord. What happened in Milwaukee? Like we've oftentimes like accused Milwaukee of uh you know doing an Astros garbage can cheating type of scandal <laughs> thing. We that's our, our uh our conspiracy theory on this show anyway. But you batted two eighty eight and that's in eighty one plate appearances, which is the most you actually had in your career in a season. Um what did you put together in Milwaukee that year? Was it just being twenty seven, which is pretty much the best age to be? <laughs> two thousand one, uh as I progressed into being a, a crappy hitter in New York uh, I started leg kicking, and leg kicking helped my. I started with a larger leg kick, helped my timing. Uh, I was I was able to get the pitches better. Um, look, when you play in high school, there's no comparison to what you see, and then you come up through an American League system. So I never really touched the bat all the way through the minor leagues, and then I get to uh, Kansas City was in as a rookie in '97 was my first year of interleague play. So you start, hey. Work on your bunting, swing the bat a little bit. It took took me time. It took me a couple of years of New York to kind of get the feel for for facing major league pitching, and then I started leg kicking. I started seeing the ball better and swung the bat better. Um, unfortunately, that was yeah my best year ever at the plate. And Mike Hampton and Jason Jennings were better, so I was not in the. I think now oh. I would yeah I think I was third in the Silver Slugger Silver that Slugger. year. Yeah, well now you'd be batting higher than most of the position players <laughs> on most teams because now yeah, it's, as long as you have forty five home runs you could bat two hundred. It's not a big deal to the current game. Um, so um, you know I know you mentioned Dempster and I know you mentioned Cubs convention. So as a Cubs convention aficionado, I have to bring this up. This is CubsCon twenty eighteen. I don't know if you can see this right here. You know what's about to happen here, yeah? Yeah. Dempster on stage. Okay. They are preparing for a game of Flip Cup, and I believe it was, what, the 2018 versus, which was 2004, or what was it? That was probably like the 08 team or something, maybe. Was right. that that sound right? It was 08 versus, I can't remember. They included you into the one team. You were a member of the team, but they included you. And I, I just remember watching this. This was from the Ryan Dempster show. So they're playing Flippy Cup. But watch as you get closer. So there's I see Thunder Matt Merton. I see Big Z getting ready to uh, to flip. Yeah. And then here comes Glendon chugging the beer, which is really really good form, Glendon. I'm just looking at it because he kind of already like hunched over, getting ready to flip. Yeah, that it, it, that sounds about right because. The best part was is they a couple of them turned around and looked at me and they're like, "You weren't even on this team." 
and they trusted you to be the anchor. I mean, that's a difficult position to get that last cup over. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. Those guys are awesome, and I, I love Demp's show. And I actually, uh, I've been on his show a couple times and kind of co-hosted with him for one of them. It's it's a blast. I love it, and him and I are are, are you know really good buddies and love spending time together. Yeah, I heard podcast with him. Wouldn't that come out last last year or something like that? Yeah, and uh, no, it was, it was. I heard that uh, when it came out actually, and you could tell that you had talked. Well, talked about a million things because it, it felt like we just picked you up mid conversation. Is kind of how it felt, you know. Yeah, it felt less like an interview and more like just a couple of buddies talking. But like, what is it about? Like, I, I think that we're spoiled as Cub fans by having like kind of viewing our our um community as a, a family and i feel like a lot of the players talk about the same thing amongst themselves and also with the fans How, is it different in chicago to have the, the cubs convention and have all this stuff going on do you go to uh, like mets convention do you go to you know royals convention do you do things like that with other teams or is it pretty specific to the cubs the Cubs are in a league of their own. Uh, I think the Mets are getting better. Um, they brought us back this year. I was part of the 2001 team, so it was the 20th anniversary of uh, the, the 9-11 um, game that we first game we played back, the famous Mike Piazza home run, and they brought us out with all the first responders um, for that game this year. That was awesome. But there's nothing like the Cubs convention. I, I've been to quite a few now, but I'll never forget my first one in 05 after, you know, being there in 2004, walking it. And it was at the older place. I don't remember which hotel that was. That was the Hilton on Michigan Avenue. Yes, yes. It was at the Hilton. And I'll never forget standing up there next to Maddox and seeing, you know, three or 4,000 people going absolutely crazy in the winter, just so excited for Cubs baseball and the team. And, and, and yet Chicago is a family. I still see people when I go back there now that, that you know, that I met. 17, 18 years ago, um, being there as a player, going to some of the restaurants, and and uh, I love it and love going back. And my wife lo- really loves going back to Chicago, so we, we try and get there as much as we can, but definitely a family. So, you know, any Cub fan is jealous that you got to wear the pinstripes and you got to play at Wrigley, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of tell you why I'm jealous for a different reason. This is a video you took from your phone. I'm going to play this, see if you remember this one. That you do recall taking this video from I mean, backstage at Pearl Jam. I mean, does it get any better? <laughs> I mean, that's not backstage. He's on stage. You're He's on stage, literally yeah. on stage with Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field in 2016. Yes, and 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 the funny part about that story was, of course, I was with Dempster, but at one point, Demp was. I'm standing. And Demp is sitting kind of right where he was there dancing around, but he's sitting in a chair. And I think one of the um, tour managers or somebody that works for Pearl Jam came out and like set a beer next to his chair and a hot dog. And I don't know whatever else. And I'm going to do. I was like, you're unbelievable. I mean, not only are you on the side of the stage while Pearl Jam's playing Wrigley Field, but they're bringing out uh, concessions to you as well. So, <laughs> And but, for yeah. you be, being, I mean, that's kind of like our wheelhouse, born in 1974, grunge hits Seattle where you're from or up in the Pacific Northwest. Grunge hits there. You got, you know, the Pearl Jam obviously being one of the biggest bands, Nirvana, 
uh, Soundgarden, you know, the list goes on of, of bands that came out of Seattle at that time. How much did that in- influence? I know you're a big music fan. How, how much did that influence your, your musical tastes and being from Seattle at that, at that kind of critical juncture of music history? That was it. That was, um, in my, in, in 91, in the early part of the school year, when I got my driver's license right around November, that Pearl Jam 10 album, you know, had come out a couple months before that. And I'll never forget, uh, my buddy Liz Kibby that I used to give a ride home to every day. She got in the car one day and put Pearl Jam 10 in my CD player. And I was, I was hooked. That was it. I was like, I'm a Pearl Jam fan. Loved it. And then, you know, Nirvana, Soundgarden, all that stuff that you mentioned, um, Huge Alan fan. Yeah, Alice Chain. Yeah. Rage Against the Machine, Tool. Yeah. Screaming that's, Trees. I mean, yeah, a- that's my whole my whole uh, um, playlist now is similar stuff, all, all that stuff. Uh, my wife will tell you, Kelly will tell you that I play the same songs over and over and over <laughs> again while I'm working out or doing whatever in the house. So um, she gets she gets tired of it. But yeah, I love those guys, and um, I have one little uh, piece that I. Snuck out as uh, one of my favorites that that Eddie uh, gave me. Uh, so oh, nice tambourine, uh, right? Glendon, Glendon rules. It says Eddie Vedder, <laughs> right on, yeah. man. Very that's cool. a that's a pretty cool one. So so in in two thousand, so I went all those years and never got to see Pearl Jam live because I was I was minor leaguing and, and who knows wherever I was, it just never worked. And eventually in New York in two thousand. I finally got to go see a show at Jones Beach. It was my first live Pearl Jam show. And I heard through the grapevine that Eddie was a big collector of the catcher's helmets, right? Like the skull caps the catchers wear. And so I brought a New York Mets skull cap to him. And he somehow figured out that I was there, however it worked out, and brought me back prior to the show. And I gave him this helmet, and I took a picture in the awkward complete deer in headlights was the most excited, like a little kid, right. Meeting him and he's smoking a cigarette and working on the set list. And I, I was, that was it. I was, I was in heaven. That was my bucket list. Uh, and I've since got to hang out with him and meet him, you know, and hang, you know, many times and go to shows, but man, I, I love, and I love his connection to baseball and the Cubs and Seattle and Chicago and everything that goes along with it. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, that video like that I played with uh, with Baba O'Reilly on that 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 the that was the close. That was a great show, by the way. I mean, like I think like nine covers, six off of ten, uh, six songs off out of ten. But that was uh, he played. Someday we'll go out the way, all the way. That song he wrote for Ernie Banks. So I was there the first show they played at Wrigley in 2014 when he yeah. came out with Ernie, and then he played it. He played it that night right before Baba O'Reilly, and I mean like. Just the, the the specialness of that moment to play that song at Wrigley, and then a few months later the Cubs win it. Where were you when the Cubs won the World Series? I was back home. I um I went to all three of the NLCS games in LA because at that point in time I was living in LA. So I went um I went with Kerry Wood. Uh, we went to all all three games there, and then and then I flew to. Chicago for games three, four, and five of the World Series, and I went with um, Todd Wellmeyer, Paul Bacco, um, Kerry Wood, the whole crew. We were all kind of, you know, making our way around everywhere. Went to all three of those, then went back home and watched them win the World Series at home. And look, I, I felt as if I was part of that family and part of that organization, just like I'm sure all you guys did as as fans and lovers of the Cubs. It was an incredible 
run, and it was so fun to see them win it. The only thing that would have been better was, you know, being on that team for it, being part of those that 25-man roster. But I was so happy for them and the organization and, and all the fans. It was awesome. Before we uh, finish up with you, Glenn, we're just going to play one more minute-long commercial. Stick with us, and we'll be right back, and we'll, we'll finish up our conversation with Glendon. Uh, here's uh, something about Sun Ranto swag. Do you like having sex? Me too. That's why I always wear my Sunranto swag shirts every time I'm looking to get some. It's the only t-shirt guaranteed to get you laid. Knock boots in your shankless shirt. Bump uglies in a Ranter long sleeve. Ride the skin busted tuna town in a dabbing cubes fan shirt. Take old one eye to the optometrist in your bull penis awesome attire or smash pissers in a spagog shirt. Sunranto swag shirts are just like people. There are many different sizes and colors to choose from. Plus, at Sunranto's Swag Store, you'll find Vintage John Baker Day, Designated Hater, and Matt Camerer drawn rally titty designs on everything from shirts and hoodies to baby onesies, bags, and hats. Go to sunranto.com slash swag and check out all the sexy styles guaranteed to get you laid. You'll be stuffing the soft taco in no time. Sunranto.com slash swag. Guaranteed to get you laid. Wearing Sunranto Swag products not guaranteed to get you laid. Sunranto Swag is not responsible for your sexual life. Sunranto Swag is for entertainment purposes only. So, uh, Glendon, you major league baseball career, good. Uh, what thirteen years in yeah, like major over, leagues, like 12, se- 12 seasons, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I've, obviously, your time with the Cubs ended uh, abruptly. Uh, really, you had a, a blood clot in your lung, probably a very scary situation. You were out for a year. Uh, just how did you work your way back from that? You know, what what is what does that look like? What did you have to do to, uh, you know? You had that year off. It wasn't off. Obviously, you're working hard to get back to it. So what did, what did that kind of gap year, that missing year in your career look like for you? It was really rough. I, I um, had one more year on my contract, so I was supposed to be a Cubby in 07. Wasn't able to play. I was on blood thinners for over a year. Once they decided to take me off the blood thinners, that was when I kind of had to make a choice of, okay, do I try and get myself back in shape? get in, you know, play mode and, and make a comeback. And I did. And it, it, it was, you know, really eye-opening because <clears throat> having those relationships that you build in baseball is what ends up helping you down the road. And in 2008, with Buddy Black being the manager in San Diego, uh, he got a little call from Greg Maddox saying, hey, if, you know, if Rushy's healthy, um, you guys should take a chance on him or sign him. And, and uh uh, Tony Gwen's brother, Chris, Chris Gwen, came up and saw me throw a few times in L.A. when I was getting healthy. And after almost 18 months off, I was able to come back and make that team out of spring training and, and be back in the big leagues, which was – it was a huge success for me because, you know, uh, trying to get to 10 years in the big leagues of service time is a really difficult thing, and we all want to do it. And I, I was able to come back and do it on my own as opposed to being on the DL for a year um, – in 07, I wasn't able to stay on the roster uh, with the Cubs, so I didn't get any service time that year that I missed. So I was like nine-plus years in the big leagues and got to come back and, and do it all by uh, being out there and being active and still pitching. So, uh, it, I mean, that's a pretty amazing like comeback story. I don't know how many people could do that, especially because that's not like a physical – I mean, it's a physical 
um, injury, but it's not baseball related, the injury itself. Um, and so what does the future hold for you now? Like, what are you working on now? You're obviously a tenacious dude. You're out there. You're a fun loving guy. You're on our show. You're out, out there on Twitter having a good time. You, you just seem like, uh, just, you just seem like a good person to hang out with. So like <laughs> you, 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 you had a little coaching job with San Diego. So what, what, what's your plan for the future? What are your goals right now? I am hanging right now at home uh, with my boys. I got a senior in high school and an eighth grader. Uh, so I'm, I'm spending my time with them and I am working on an amazing project uh, with Ryan Dempster that is, cannot be disclosed at this point in time. Um, I, I think it's going to be at least some months down the road where we can let this let you guys in on it. But uh, every time I hear off- something like that, it's for a movie. So <laughs> it's 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 Dempster and Rush, like uh, buddy, movie. I don't know, buddy cop movie, buddy Tango and Cash, Tango and Cash, Tango Step Brothers, and Cash. Step Brothers <laughs> two or three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. Uh, you guys, you guys will be one of the first to know as soon as um, as soon as we can um, let the cat out of the bag. What's what's going on? Uh, we'll definitely let you guys know, and I promise you. You're gonna love it. It's in it's in the baseball realm, and uh, it's gonna be great. Well, I have bad news for you. Dempster already told us at Club 400. The guy's got a big mouth. He just went. Wouldn't... <laughs> 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 I kid, I kid. Um, no, that sounds awesome. And Dempster's so talented. I know he does great stand up work. You know, he 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 wants to be a talk show host now. You know, it's kind of his his thing. He's great at. It. He's the, called a lot of games um how about broadcasting you ever think about doing something like that being a one of the color guys um you know maybe kind of take the role that maybe a jim deshays has on uh the on television or you ever think about um going into that you've got the personality for it i would actually love to i i would like to do you know i'm sure the best route would be to start out and maybe doing some some pre-game post-game stuff some analysis and and following uh, a team and, and going, going, uh, you know, through the season, getting, getting some time in and learning how, learning the craft and, and being able to do that. I would, I would really enjoy it. Now you said you grew up a Seattle fan, right? So, so is that the one that you want? Is that like, would that be the most fun to be able to call those games? If I were to pick top of my list, I would say Cubs, Cubs Mets, probably. I think one of those two organizations that I know the best, um, yeah. Seattle. I was a kid, you know, growing up there. I, I was a I was a Mariners fan and a Braves fan. Braves were always on TV, so that was my National League team, and and the Mariners were my hometown team. And um, never played for either of those two, but yeah, I, I would say Cubs Mets would probably be the top of my list. Yeah, that just just because you like the scrutiny of, of a giant market. <laughs> You're like, hey, might as well yeah. start in New York. Why not? You know, but yeah. it's only downhill from there. Yeah, why uh, in the world is this guy calling games? He was terrible. <laughs> it just starts off with that, and you got to be ready for it. Yeah, New day, York, New York Post, rush one. him out of there. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they'll let they'll let you know how they feel. That's for sure. Yes, best best New York uh, headline ever for me was Rush Hour. Oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that was a good oh, one. Like pretty, pretty simple, pretty simple. But I, but I have one somewhere downstairs where you know I was fortunate to pitch a good game, and 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 it was rush hour, which was I, I thought cool. So I, it, I, Michael, I think put this in the notes. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask it. Um, it, you know, this has to do with I heard you talking on uh, I forget what it was at somebody's show about um, 
the whole concept of openers and the mismanaging of bullpens and pitch counts and things like that. Were you on a pitch count? Did you, did they have pitch counts for you in your years? You had two over 200 innings one year. Uh, Now, I mean, you had 160 innings, a bunch of years. That's now the new 200 innings. It seems Um, just real quick. Like, how do you feel about the way that game, the game has changed in such a short amount of time in that, that's how pitchers are being handled. I wish it would err a little bit more on the side of, of the eye test between the manager and the, and the pitching coach, um, seeing that a guy's dealing and he's going to keep dealing. Uh, pitch count was always an arbitrary hundred count, right? Kind of, kind of during our, our era in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, I think some, when you got into a game at some point in that range that they started looking at, okay, how much further can he go? Are we going to let him go 110? Is it really worth him going 123? You know, unless he's having a real special game, uh, something like that, where you're where you're possibly throwing a no hitter or you're punching out 15 guys and they let you keep going. But I think I think for the most part, I would love to see starters go a little deeper. And and look, I I think that there were multiple teams this year. I won't say who they are, but that blew out their bullpens by July and August and it killed them down the stretch. And, and I think that you can't look at those guys as robots. I know the numbers match up, but the amount of times that guys get up in the game um, to get ready and don't go in, right. The dry humps, the possible matchups that don't work out. If the guy's up four days in a row, but only went in one game. I mean, that stuff wears on you. And by the time you come down to that last 30, 45 game stretch of the season, if your bullpen's not there and and they can't take you through the games that you really need to win, you're in trouble. Yeah, and it, it and it seems like the maybe the the numbers aren't all in on the new way that it's working. So I mean, it you know all the numbers that you look at, they're talking about stuff that's already happened. So I don't know how predictive it is anyway. If you don't ever let a guy face somebody a third time through the order, and then all of a sudden you're an in, you're down a couple dudes, and you have to let somebody face. A, a starter face somebody the third time through an order and it's the first or second time they've ever done it in their career and it's down the stretch in a, in a pennant run you know it just seems like you know you're right I feel like you know maybe they're they're zigging too far when they should just kind of like it, it's like having to go bat for the first time yeah well this is exactly like you said you hadn't batted since high school and then all of a sudden you're in a American League uh, uh, farm system, and then you don't bat again until you hit the Mets. Like now you got to put it all back together. It seems like um, we should be practicing what we end up doing, you know. So, uh, well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, I, I, obviously we could fill up an hour really quickly because that felt like five minutes to me. Uh, I'm going to let um, one of our ranters have the the last word. This was a funny question that our friend Dan Nielsen put on the, uh, the ranters page. He asked, would you rather fight one Joe West-sized chicken or 30 chicken-sized Joe Wests? <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the one Joe West. Easy. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know what? I wouldn't even fight him. I would just go over and move the on-deck circle like Adrian Beltre did. That was, one of my favorite. that was one of my favorite moves ever. That was. I remember that. It was hilarious. I wonder yeah. how long we're going to talk about Joe West. He's This will be the first season that he's not in 
uh, the uh, umpiring in the major leagues in basically like 40 years or something like that. So it should be and, interesting. And good, good friend he, of the show, been, John, good friend of the show, John Baker actually said he really liked Joe West. He's his favorite umpire. I believe that, you know, the, the, I, I, I never was a huge Joe West fan, but you, but you look at him from a completely different perspective on the mound than you do the catchers. And it's funny you said that Crawley, cause I was just going to bring that up that if you, if you go and talk to a bunch of different catchers and, and key in on the relationships that they developed with those umpires, it's probably completely different than what we had as pitchers or, you know, because they're back there and they got to work together, like it or not. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you get in the box as a hitter, are you really going to complain about the strike zone all the time? Cause you're not, they're not going to change them and it's not going to help you. You kind you kind of have to develop a relationship that you work together and, and the catchers are incredible at doing that. I love talking to, the catchers and, and what feedback they were getting. And look, most of the umpires for the most, uh, I think kind of liked me because I worked quick and I threw strikes and I was in the zone and, you know, I, I never got tossed out of a game. That was one of my regrets. I probably should have done that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably, too, I'm probably too nice, but I, I should at least got tossed once. So I had a good story. Well, how about this? We'll toss you off the show right now <laughs> <laughs> along, along with ourselves. And, uh, Showers. Yeah. Hit the showers, kid. You're out of here. <laughs> so, uh, no, it, it's. Uh, I hope we get to hang out sometime in the future. It's a shame there's no Cubs convention this year. We're all pretty sad about it. But uh, next time you're up in Chicago, come hang out with us in the bleachers. We're always in the left field well, uh, having a good time out there. We'd love to come out, buy you a beer uh, for coming on this show. And, uh, you know, definitely enjoy talking to you today. And uh, I'm so happy we didn't talk – at all about the negotiations or the lockout or anything that's going on because, you know, it's it's too depressing to think that there might not be baseball come April this year, you know, if they can't figure it out. Uh, do you think they'll figure something out and get the season done on time? I do. I, I, I do. I think they'll get something done. Um, but the, ultimately it's always a, you know, uh, some sort of deadline that's going to have to be put in place, and that's going to be enough time to get everybody into spring training on time, get the pitchers stretched out and start the season when they should. And if they screw that up, I'm going to be pissed along with a lot of other people and a lot of fans because we've already been through a lot as a country with COVID and everything else and a shortened season in 20. And, and, you know, to come back last year and see the enthusiasm and uh, the amount of excitement that fans had to have be back in the stands, have baseball being played and, you know, all the way through a really exciting World Series, which I thought I, I thought was great. Um, we we can't screw that up as a uh, as a group. So let's let's hope they get it together. Well, when it happens, Amen. we hope to see you at at Wrigley and at Wrigley. in the stands. Have you ever seen a game from the bleachers? I have. I I, uh, I didn't watch much. I kind of passed through um, with with Demp uh, a few years back, and we cruised up in the uh, climbed all the way up into the uh, scoreboard. Uh, cool. During one of the games, which was really cool, it's weird because you you know they pull that ladder down and you're you're climbing up that ladder to get up in the scoreboard and people's beers are being poured right there and everything. So hopefully I didn't have anything <laughs> on my shoe. But, but uh, now, yeah, I'd I'd love to come out there and watch some innings with you guys. I'd have a blast. Yeah, man, it's fun. And uh, I know everybody that's been watching tonight appreciates it. Appreciates it. Bernie says thanks for the awesome Glendon Rush interviews, Bagog, and uh, I think you know these people: Carrie Meyer, Carrie Bronner Meyer, Hi Glendon from Josh and Carrie, and little golf tea. Oh yeah. And, um, 
So it, it so everybody really enjoyed it. Uh, Daryl says, "What's up, fellas? What's up, Daryl?" So uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we'll we'll end it there. The Sunranto Show is brought to you by our hundred and five. Patreon supporters, if you would like to support the Sunranto show and all we do here, um, there's perks at every level. Just join us at patreon.com slash sunranto. You get the show early and ad-free, um, as always. And uh, we're going to go right after the show on the Green Room app, and we're going to continue the conversation with you. So download the Green Room app from Spotify, and we'll have a conversation over there about whatever you guys want to talk about that up there in Sunranto Ranterland. So uh, until um, next time, I wish you all spagog. I'm going to play a song. We'll get the hell out of here. Thanks for coming on, Glendon. Yep. See you guys. Yep. Spagog. I had a vision just the other day That I traveled back to 1908 The last year the copies went all the way Made a decision that I never want to come back again I'll miss you all but this place is heaven Cause here the copies are the champions in that time machine Saying goodbye to my old life Staring at a screen Unless the best damn Cubs team i ever seen Can't finally win it all In 2016 And chains. Overall pitching. Damn, I had hoped to see three finger brown. Knows how to throw and mow the batters down. At least I can't afford the tickets now. Wow, oh wow. And I'm not getting back in that time machine. I'll drive a Model T, Ford, I'll 10 cent gasoline. Unless the best damn cup team I ever seen can finally win it all in 2016. Yeah, yeah, Watching Chicago win the World Series I'm not getting back in that time machine I'll root for Ed Rubach and Johnny Kling Unless the best damn Cubs team i ever seen Can finally win it all in 2016 And I'm not getting back in that time machine Here they don't call it a drop, they call it a latrine Unless the best
Wilder versus Fury, Mayweather versus Pacquiao, electric personalities that produced big fights and even bigger betting opportunities. This Saturday, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley will be no different. So don't miss out on the action. Bet the fight with my bookie. My bookie has the best odds and props bets for Paul Woodley. And you can start by doubling your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000 using promo code SPORTSDRINK. That's double your deposit to double your funds and double the excitement for Paul Woodley at my bookie. As much as we'd all love to see Jake Paul eat canvas, he's looked strong in previous matchups. And with Woodley taking this fight on short notice, all the odds are in Paul's favor. Back the problem child to win this rematch as he's sure to be the favorite. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code SPORTSDRINK. Head to MyBookie today, place your bets, fill your pockets, and watch this grudge match get settled with Paul versus Woodley. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The Sunranto Show is brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. And we thank them for sponsoring the Sunranto Show. The Sunranto Show is also brought to you by the Spotify Greenroom app. The second half of this show, which you're about to hear, was recorded on the Spotify Greenroom app. It is an app that you download for free at the iOS App Store or the Android Store. You create a profile, you link your Twitter, you join a league. Uh, you follow us at Sunranto Show to be notified when the room goes live. And uh, then when we go live, you can join in the conversation. So it's kind of like a radio call-in show. Uh, except you're using an application on your phone that you can download. So you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. You get in on the conversation and uh, you can listen to lots of different things. There's all sorts of uh, leagues and concepts and uh, radio shows that are going live on the Spotify Greenroom app. You don't want to miss it. So check it out uh, and uh, download it today. And we thank them for sponsoring the Sunranto Show, which you need to follow on the Spotify Green Room app. Sunranto Show. Here's our conversation. One is the loneliest number that you ever that you ever knew. <laughs> Two. Two. Um, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to make you the host. See if this works. Like early on in the situation, did you just become? I host? am the new host. I'm gonna yes. do. I'm gonna do that because obviously my shit is fucked up every week, and it just, and I hate to talk trash on the thing that we're talking about, but I'm sorry, but like they gotta know that this shit has to work better because. Like, people are requesting to speak, and I can't see it and all this stuff. You know what I mean? So, anyway. Right. So that, mean, that means I have to pay attention now. So that's going to that's gonna kind of – I'm ready, though. I feel, I feel comfortable in the captain's seat. All right. Good, good. Um, that, that went great, man. Glennon's awesome. You know, Danny, I keep thinking about uh, – you know, we just had, like <laughs> – I had the craziest week. I literally had – Sunday, I had John Vincent. Uh, Friday, we had Patrick Wisdom. Saturday we had Cubs caroling, and then tonight Glendon. It's like I'm like I'm getting my Cubs fix, which I enjoy. 
Yeah, no, no doubt. He, he just texted back. Uh, I said, thanks for giving us so much time. He said, my pleasure, man. Anytime. I had a great time. So, I mean, and, you know, we only got through about half the script. I didn't ask him about any of the new rules that were po- proposed. And, uh, uh, it, you know, you know, he kind of mentioned the, the runner on second, you know, rule kind of. He didn't seem too happy with it. Obviously, likes NL-style play with pitchers hitting. He would have wanted to hit. In fact, like, I wonder, like, I was thinking about this today about, like, somebody like Otani. You know, like this guy, you know, right. like, are, and the fact that like Glennon was just saying that they took the bat out of his hands, basically, as soon as he got to Kansas City in the system. So like these guys are going through the entire minor leagues. They're not practicing something that they want, that you, that you want them to be able to do. And we even saw guys like um, uh, John Lester end up being um, – you know, uh, freaking end up being really good bunters because they know because they know what they're doing. You know, well, like, yeah. I, I mean, think they, about they it. You don't do it for athletes. two. You don't do it for two or three years, and then by the time you finally do, it's like here, go against the best in the entire world. Yeah, and then it, and then even Glenn just said like he get, he had to get his feet wet first, and then once he got his feet wet, then he picked freaking two eighty. In 80-some-odd plate appearances, you know? It's like, that's just, uh, you know, it, the, the guy could do it. He's obviously a decent um, hitter. And, you know, and I, and I do feel because these dudes, they were all the best hitter. They, they were all the best hitter in high school on their team, without a doubt. I just saw that Michael Cotton wanted to speak. I'm super excited about the power I now wield. Yeah, so, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in – I don't know if you can hear. There, yes, we there, can hear. Well, you. no, I was hoping you could hear the sirens. There are sirens going off outside in Iowa City here. Uh, so, I believe the derecho show is on its way. So, uh, I'm going to talk to you, you guys because <laughs> oh, I got fuck. nothing better to do. This kind of feels like the first Gulf War when CNN came on while the bombs were going off in Baghdad. <laughs> It's it's of the same importance, yeah. I'm sure. And <laughs> a, a thousand points of light. <laughs> yeah, isn't no, that what they? Wasn't that what they said? Yeah. So it's it's really crazy here right now. Outside is like super calm. It's sixty nine degrees. Nice. And uh, nice. And the the sirens are going off, and it's a little nuts, man. So we'll see. Well. I- Really quick, guys, I well, just want to see. I see that there's six people in the room that are guests, and it says guests are people who don't have green room accounts and can only listen in rooms. So if you're listening to this right now, go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download the, the green room because this is your chance to really kind of talk and kind of give us your opinion on things. Yeah, we can, yeah, it, we can bring it, you into the room. Giving an opinion, I heard you guys talking about uh, hitting and – Yes, Glendon Rush is 100% fucking correct. I, I was laughing because yeah. Danny was all pumped up about this. Is oh, Glendon's going to give it to Michael, and it turns yeah, out that yeah. <laughs> you guys totally agree. I was like, fuck. He, he, just, he, he just didn't understand what I said, which, which uh, now I know how you feel, Michael. <laughs> yeah, every time I fucking bring this up, Nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. They yeah, all like, think he's anti-GH. Anti- 
Yeah. Like I literally yeah. like, like it just was one of those moments. Did you see uh, what was it? The old Simpsons episode when Millhouse meets his like cross Millhouse and they hug and it's like, this is what it feels like when doves cry. Like it just had like this moment. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, Glenda, do you have the other half of this locket? <laughs> no, I had, to, I had to bust out the, is that step? Brother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. And then he did, yeah. he did the stepbrothers thing too. He did the exact eye movement afterwards. He was on it, man. He was quick. Yeah, we definitely got to hang out with Glennon sometime soon. We, I mean, we got to get him. He's not that far away. He's in uh, Louisville area, I believe. That's how you he know, knows Carrie. He was out in. Yeah, he said. He yeah, he's in Kentucky. Kentucky. So I, I mean, he was. Um, that's how he knows uh, Carrie and Josh. The weird thing is, is that like he is such a good speaker. You know, we talked about him potentially moving into that realm. You know, it's like I can't believe he hasn't been picked up by anybody yet or really kind of started as much. I know he has been on uh, the uh, off the mound with Ryan Dempster, but he's a really good speaker. Yeah. He's he's fun. He's good to listen to, and just kind of surprised it hasn't kind of gotten further along at this point. Maybe that's well, his choice. Well, but I mean, and it's and especially because of like kind of some of the duds they put out there. Like, I mean, let's face it, like. Ryan Sweeney, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Sean Marshall. Like, these are not like exactly like guys are going to win Mr. Personality Contest. You know what I mean? Not, nothing against these dudes. They're nice enough dudes. But like, let's face it, like Glendon Rush has stories. He's like jovial. He's fun. He obviously enjoys a beer or two. He like he's perfect for Chicago. Whereas like Ryan Sweeney, what did he play like five games with the Cubs? And, you know, it's like. See, and I I was just going to say that. It's not even like their names. You know, like, there there is a ton of Cubs fans out there that don't even know that Ryan Sweeney played for the Cubs unless he's announced that he played for the Cubs. Well, and he – because he was there in, like, really shit years when nobody was watching the Cubs. I mean, to be fair, the only reason I remember that he played for the Cubs is because on Ivy Envy, they used to laugh about Ryan Sweeney. You know, I sit there though, and I and I and, and I, like I said, it's imagine like I remember being there after Game Seven in two thousand three and watching the Cubs' hopes go down the drain. And my father in law was with me at the time at the game and said, "You know, don't worry, they're going to be so much better next year." And I'm like, "That's what they always say." And then we get Greg Maddox, and I'm like, "Oh shit, man, they're going all in. We got this." And you know, Greg Maddox, you know, like I said, you had Maddox. Maddox was supposed to be your fourth starter. Think about that. And he was still pretty damn good back then. He wasn't, you know, prime Greg Maddox, but still pretty darn good. He was still winning double-digit wins. I think he had a couple of seasons with the Cubs where I think he added on to his streak, like his all-time streak of going how many ever years with at least 14 wins that nobody's ever done. Right. And so you sit there and you think like this, and then they got Latroy Hawkins, who was going to be the setup man because the weakest part of that 2003 team was the bullpen. So they fortified all their weaknesses, everything you needed to do, and then injuries just absolutely wrecked havoc on that team. And I remember Glendon, like like I said, he was just Mister Reliable, man. What did you know? What did you need him to do? And that, and you know, you talked about Sean Marshall. I think you know everyone remembers uh, Mike Montgomery kind of doing that a little bit, but like Sean Marshall was really good at it, and Glendon was too. Is that swing role? of I can start if you need me to, I can come out of the bullpen, never complain, what do I got to do? And as both of the, as both Marshall and Glendon, both lefties can attest to, if you're lefty and you can do both those things, you can play a lot of baseball for a lot of years. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And so I, I thought that was pretty, like I said, you know, he just has a really cool history, you know, of, of being in New York during the, you know, subway series and nine 11 and, 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 and really kind of being a part of that 2000, not being a part of, but there during that uh, 2004 collapse. And so he's got, he's got a lot of good stories, you know? I'll tell you that, that 2004 collapse, I mean, we didn't talk too much about, I mean, it, I realized kind of in the middle of it that I'm like, Okay, what really pissed me off at the end of that year of just how they faded down the stretch like that, they went two and seven down the end, which was a stat I didn't uh, bring up, uh, you know, but it, and it, because I realized how kind of emotionally tied in with that particular team Glendon was. And uh, in my show notes, I had written down, um, and then things got way worse under Dusty. And we didn't even talk about Dusty at all. But, like, because 2004, it was like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be better. And then they didn't make the wild card, came in third. That was a tough division. Doesn't matter. You gotta, you still got to win, put it together. And then 2005, they were worse. 2006, they were even worse. Um, that was the Derek Lee injury year, and that really sunk that season. Um, they almost – they lost 90 90- – seven games or something like that. It was not good. Um, but, and that was the end of Glendon's career uh, with the Cubs there. But like, you know, that 2004 seemed to be so close to his kind of heart. And, you know, so I didn't want to go more into it about how, like, like, I don't know. that like, You didn't want to beat a dead horse. Yeah, exactly. It was like, oh yeah, you guys lost and really like pissed me off. That was the first year MLB.TV and I bought it because I was like, so excited for you guys. And then I was like, Oh man, fuck the Cubs. You know, like again, they get my hopes up and crush them like so many years. So many paper beer cups. Paper cups yeah. in the bleachers. Year now? after year after year after year <laughs> after, after year after, after year. year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to quote Steve Goodman. Um, but it's like you know, it's just it's interesting because you 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 think of these guys yeah. as you, you know, we all had years at our jobs when, you know, or like periods of our times you know, where you're hanging out with certain people and it just means more than other times, you know, like, I don't know, like, I know for me, it's the rent crew. Like the people I did rent with, I was 22 to 24 years old. And I, and last night there was a guy, he's now a, a theatrical agent. He, he was in my cast with me and he came into town to check out some of his clients that were performing in Pretty Woman and some show at Marriott Lincolnshire, Kiss Me Kate. And, and he's like, oh, dude, we should get together. I'm here for a beer. I haven't seen this guy in 25 years, but I guarantee we would pick up where we left off. And it feels like that's what Glendon had with the uh, 2004 squad. And I, I, just, I just find that interesting that, you know, like, I bet you the 2016 Cubs feel, are going to feel that way about. Like, you were, we'll, we'll be interviewing, you know, some, like, lesser – Person off the two thousand. Well, we already have a two thousand sixty champion on our son Rato, Matt Caesar. Yeah, Matt yeah. Caesar. Yeah. So, but like at you know at some point, like let's say twenty years from now, we did we talk to Matt Caesar, and again, you know, and uh, again, as we're still trying to figure out NFTs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And that's the only reason he's on the show is just to t- teach us to teach us what NFTs are still, because it's 20 years down. We still won't understand. <laughs> it's like it's like how you pay for everything. And we just like we go to the store. We can't pay for anything anymore. Like what? Like, I, an Irish scan? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> 
I'm looking. I, I got my kids' old Pokemon chips and shit like that, trying to pay for shit, thinking it's the same. <laughs> exactly. The fuck it. It's it's a fire one. I don't know. Give me a bag of chips. We got a couple more people. <laughs> we got a couple more people in the room now. We got Bernie, Eric, Dominic, Carrie, and Matt Cameron, who we just saw this last weekend. And I, I, how much did Matt's uh, drawing go for? The original Patrick Rizzo? Uh, Matt, Matt, jump on in here. Ask to speak so I can kind of pay attention. He, well, he might be working. He might. We might be background sound. For well, him. but but also, you, you know, also while we're waiting for Matt, Carly, why don't you tell us about? Your night because what's up, guys? Uh, you kind of had the best night. Hey, Matt, uh, dude, how much fun did we have the other night? That was a blast, guys. So much fun. How much did your painting uh, of Patrick Wisdom go for? Uh, two thousand dollars. Wait, Matt, are you doing construction? No, that's me. Sorry, I forgot to mute. Oh. <laughs> You know when Danny's making a drink and throwing some ice cubes in? <laughs> it's right next to his mic. I'm, I'm just drawing. <laughs> crushing ice. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. So, you know, for those of you that don't know, a lot of times at Club 400, um, it's Cub fans helping Cub fans, and um, we were helping out uh, with Matt's mom, right? Yeah, sure were. It was uh, it, it, it was it was an honor, guys, to to say the least. Like, I know that I uh, I try to donate to everybody, and uh, I don't get to make it to Chicago a lot. And you know, it it all started when I, I just sent Danny a, a a text asking, "Hey, can I post in uh, post in the Ranters and ask if I could uh, uh, you know explain a little bit of what's going on with my mom and." Uh, hopefully sell some art for her, and then Stu reached out to me from there. Yeah, and that was, that was the thing, is that, like, you know, when you go to Club 400 party, you never know what you're going to get. All you, The only thing you're guaranteed is a good time. That's what I try to tell people, is that you are guaranteed a good time, and sure as shit, you know, Matt, you know, you came up there, and all of a sudden, this this auction, this bidding, it just kept going higher and higher to get the print, or I'm sorry, the painting of Patrick Wisdom, which we do is we get some great artists to contribute whatever they can or people to contribute what they can and it gets raffled off and people just go crazy. It's such an adrenaline rush when that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, uh, I'm, I don't even know his, his last name. Zach. Is it maybe Zach Hartman? It's Zach Hartman. And so his brother is Eric Hartman. And so, yeah, they're just great guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Does he own the like plowing business? Yeah, he has something very similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, so yeah, on, he won guys. It, so. You just said Eric Cartman, and then you said Mr. Plow. That's that's the Simpsons, <laughs> and that's uh, South huh. Park. Get your, Hartman, get your Hartman, together. Hartman. Uh, but uh, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, yeah, it was such a. I just kept seeing the bidding going up for that, and so Hartman won that one. Yeah, me like you had your arm around me the whole time. Oh, dude, I get so excited, stuff like that. I just like, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the adrenaline gets like flying. All of a sudden it's like, okay, made 500. Pretty good, Matt. Shit, we're now at a thousand. Okay, 15. Keep going. Yeah. You know? When it kept going, I was like, this is crazy. So <laughs> we, we have we have Kevin in the room. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Very good and very Scottish. So apologies for my accent if you're struggling. 
we, we love it. I, I speak Scottish. I'll, I'll translate. Right, here's one for you, right? This is a genuine thing I quite like to do, is to get people from America to try and give me an American accent to do, a generic one, like Boston, New York, Chicago, and they have to try and replicate my accent. Uh, let, so who wants to go first? Let, let's hear you do an Iowa one. Pull that one off. Right. <laughs> Iowa's not oh. very massively mainstream, so can someone do that first and I'll replicate it? Hi. So, well, okay. it's, it's my voice right now. Okay, how I, I, about this? I mean, how about this? Hey, I'll take uh, I'll take a pizza and two hot beef sandwiches. You gotta say two tree. I got uh, two tree hot beef sandwiches. I'll take a pizza and two hot, uh, two maybe three hot beef sandwiches. If you, no, you gotta say two tree, two tree hot. Can you fucking hear me? <laughs> 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 we heard you. you two, 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 maybe three sandwiches. It, <laughs> no, no, two, two tree. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no, no yeah, in that, just, that tree, number. like, like, like a tree that grows out of the ground. Two tree oh, sandwiches. Is you deaf? I said two tree. <laughs> no, oh, yes, there it was. That <laughs> was. That was it. You got it now. Yeah, that, there you go. No, there you no, go. No, you try me. All right. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> all right. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, wait, hold on. I, I gotta get into it. I gotta get into it. All right, all right. Like, I, I always want to be so I married an ex murderer. You know, that's kind of. You know, I put it on me kilt and I played the bite pipes. What's that? I, 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 how did I do? Irish pirate, brilliant. Irish, but in in that how Scotland got formed? In, I mean, in that your history, Irish piratry. No. I'm wrong about that. I'm trying to be magnanimous and say nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try. I'm trying to stay magnanimous and say nothing here. The word is magnanimous, you man, man, you. <laughs> the word is magnanimous. Are you a Cubs fan, Kevin McAllister? Or Kevin McCrum? Kevin McAllister was left home alone, my friend. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> That's fucking talk about stuff. Why did your parents? Why did your parents leave you home alone, Kevin McCrum? Well, if they didn't, you wouldn't have the pleasure of my company. <laughs> but, uh, mm. I'm not a massive fan of American sports, if I'm honest, apart from soccer. Ah, yeah. Well, well this is a baseball conversation. What we got to do, Kevin, is next time you're in Chicago, which I don't know if you've ever been. Regular, we'd love to invite I've, you. I've, to I've, I've actually been to Wrigley Field, believe it or not. So. I didn't say. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. If you let me fucking finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not gonna let you finish. It's not what we someone, do. Here. Someone muted me, or the, the app muted me. But no, I, it's just. No, that just popped up. It's nah, that's cool. It's weird. happened a few times this evening. To be fair, no, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. Right, of the three, you've got basketball, uh, baseball, and American football. I think the one I would have been best at growing up in Scotland but probably in baseball it's like the easiest one to do three I think if you've got good hand eye coordination wouldn't you agree oh my god you were you know nothing about baseball it's literally the hardest one it's but a Kevin, game around let's be honest in honesty Kevin if you do come back to Chicago we would love to go watch a game with you in the bleachers well unfortunately yep. My profile picture's now changed, but I have played in front of fifty thousand people. 
Yep. Really? Of what? So, so, of no, soccer. No, we don't play that shit here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You brought up rounders. I know man. I brought up rounders, man. But <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. I that's pretty good Iowa accent. I'm just I'm just hoping we're here. But genuinely, I've got a bit of a. Do you, do you guys watch MMA? Sorry, I have to be wait. Yeah, Conor McGregor, right? Shut your fucking mouth, Danny Rocky. <laughs> Michael Cartman, fucking Matt Kamara. Come, 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 yeah, fucking name's nearly MMA. Yeah, yeah. Conor McGregor came to Wrigley Field last year and gave the entire <laughs> team COVID. <laughs> it was all COVID. That's what his fucking gift for playing fucking steak ball, yeah? <laughs> 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 I don't know if you guys uh, know uh, Ariel Hawani, the big nosed Canadian MMA journalist. No, no. no. That was a bit... Oh, we're a baseball podcast. Oh, that's cool. Well, bit, I'm Scottish, so I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was on his podcast. Well, I know that uh, I know that Bernie's here, and she had something to say. She was at our um, Cubs caroling event in Chicago on Saturday. Well, before we Which, before we get into that, Crawl, you got to you got to talk to us about uh, getting you know your new, new your new Miggy jersey that you got. Oh my God! Okay, so this is going to be if you haven't seen the video, I put it on the Ranters site. Um, so Saturday night, I am ex- you know it was for Matt's mom. I you know kind of Stu had, makes a lot of speeches. Stu loves giving speeches, so he's giving a speech, and a friend of mine, Scotty Chengun, who's uh, who works for Marquee, was there. And I went out, I didn't know it was about me. I went out and grabbed a beer and all of a sudden they're like, where's Crawley? I'm like, Crawley, go up there. And Stu says, okay, we got you a Christmas present, diehard Cub fan. And, you know, he knows about the Cubs cave. He's helped me out a lot as far as talking about, you know, just the different avenues of constructing a man cave because he literally has won world's greatest man cave before. And so he helped me out a lot with that. And so I opened the present and I don't know what to expect because I'm kind of confused and it was the Miguel Montero jersey from the game that um, I presented him a ring. So I had the original jersey that they gave us. It said 47, and it said ring bearer. He had the and, – and so between Stewart and the Ranters and my Cubs memorabilia group, uh, people chipped in and raised money to, to purchase that jersey to add to my Cubs cave. And I am truly, like I said, overwhelmed and feeling blessed about how uh, – what a wonderful present and – just just shocked that it's still kind of hasn't hit me yet and so like you know it's kind of it's weird the first time i put them next to each other and all that stuff it actually has icy hot on the on the on the collar from from miggy getting iced down a little bit but it was such a such a moment and, and it truly truly touched me that you know between the club 400 and uh uh sun Ranta, i mean it was just it's it's just two great groups of people that uh, I feel blessed to be a part of. Yeah, you know what? Here's something funny about it. People came up to me and they said, "You see Crawley, and you talk to him all the time. How the hell did you keep that a secret from Crawley?" <laughs> and I said, well, "It's perfect because I totally forgot that this was happening at all, <laughs> and so I just didn't bring it up because I didn't fucking care." And then so and then so then it happened, and I was like, "Oh, that's tonight. Oh shit, that's right, the jersey." <laughs> a, yeah. Yes. As soon as you said something, yeah, I was like, I know. Oh, I totally shit. had that, that, that's happened. that it was going to be that night. And I didn't oh, yeah. give it any thought at all. Well, and and then everybody worked. forgot that he got a jersey because uh, 
because old number 21 called in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Sammy Sosa called. Always big moment. Sammy Sosa. Always the, always the ego trip with Sammy Sosa. Can't let me have my five minutes to thank everybody. Had to call in and make it about me, me, me. That's all right. Yeah, dude, it was, it was literally in the middle of your speech. And some, they, Sammy's friend and batting coach. Who is that guy? Who's that guy that was there? That's that junior, junior. Yeah. Junior's great, man. He was, uh, Sammy's right hand man. And literally, um, so what happened is, is junior comes to club 400 and, and, and for people that haven't heard, there's a very strong, we'll, we'll wait till, you know, when the, when the, you know, writings, when the signatures on the print and the paper and all that, but, you know, the hope is, is to get Sammy out to club 400 because apparently the Cubs don't want to do that. So we'll fucking do it. And, um, Junior has like literally like any player from the Dominican Republic in the last 20 years is on Junior's cell phone. And so earlier in the night, Junior's like, he's like, who should I call? And we're like, call Sammy Sosa. He's like, okay, call Sammy Sosa, says something. And all of a sudden, Sammy called him back in the middle of my speech. So I'm sitting there talking. All of a sudden, Junior, hey, you got a phone call, Stu. What the fuck? Who's interrupting with a phone call? And it was Sammy Sosa and Stu put it on the mic. And we got to hear that. And not only that, Junior also called Ramos Ramirez. So, like, it was literally like, let's, let, let's see who else is on Junior's phone. It was, it was great. That's a phone to steal. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just, just for a moment, just like, you know, he leaves out of the bar, go through it, get all the numbers you want out of it, and then just, just put it back. And, like, it, that he never would have known that you did it, you know? So... My 11-year-old stepson was there. He's a Cardinals fan, and it's the first time he's ever been to Club 400. And he, he's talking to Julian Martinez, and Julian, he's like, you play baseball? He's like, yeah, I play baseball. Like, the kid plays wiffle ball in the field behind us. Yeah, he, um, he's like, are you Carlos's? <laughs> and he's like, I play basketball. He's like, oh, you play baseball. I'll make you better at baseball. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm like, this guy lives in Chicago. We live in St. Louis. He's like, here's my number, and gives his number to this 11 year old child. And so the 11 year old presents. That's, that's actually to, that's actually fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So the 11 year old proceeds to text him while he's there, and he's like, oh, you know, um, this is me. Two days ago, he's messaging this 11 year old, asking him if he's been out playing baseball. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, we can't afford Sammy Sosa's hitting coach. Like, he's like he, he's trying to make Wait. his spiel to an 11 year old without running the the budget by the parents first. Well, let's let's hope that's what he's doing. But here's but what but uh, well, here's the thing: can you not? I mean, can you not not afford? Sammy Sosa's hitting coach. I mean, look, look at the millions of dollars Sammy Sosa made. Matt, do you not want this oh. money? I mean, come on. <laughs> so, Don't listen to him, Matt. Should, uh, it's a fucking it's – a, it's a lottery ticket. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Julian grew up playing with broomsticks and milk jugs for gloves. So uh, he, uh, he has a little bit of a head start on this kid that's never played organized baseball. <laughs> well, you know, we, we did watch the Sammy Sosa movie, the cartoon. That was uh, yeah. very inspiring. I remember that. Maybe that's a, that's probably a first step. I'll have him watch that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I bought it off yeah. Amazon for $8. <laughs> and, you, and you'll be like, do you still want to do <laughs> you, you really want to hitch your wagon to this guy? 
Who was who was the old? Remember, there was a guy that kind of kept bring, giving him all the money. Who was it? Like, yeah, he kept he kept fucking Sammy's mom. Remember, like he, he kept coming in. And, yeah, it was not it was not good. Like, I mean, like like Sammy like is like putting all these like weird kind of double kind of meaning things in there just because he's trying to tell the story. But I'm like, dude, this is a kid's cartoon, man. Leave it, leave it off. Uh, Matt, I don't know, Matt. I'm going to send it to you on text, but we actually have the pictures from the Club 400 event are up there. And so uh, it, it was absolutely, I was looking at the pictures, and they, they are absolutely wonderful. One final plea for you all to join the Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash sunranto. Um, this version of the podcast has advertising all strewn throughout it. And uh, if you don't like it, uh, then, uh, and why would you like being uh, barked ads at? Uh, well, then you can subscribe for as little as $1 at patreon.com slash sunranto. You get your own RSS feed. You get the show early. You get the show ad-free. And uh, there's perks at every level. You can get the music. I write out little newsletters. You get the f- photography and the f- that I take at the games. Um, there's, it's it just, it's a great way to help out the show, become a ranter, a super ranter and, um, help out the show because I'm telling you, it, it'll make you feel good knowing that you're helping produce the Sun Ranto show tickets and beer and Crawley's memorabilia Cubs cave and, you know, uh, Michael Cotton tickets and all sorts of good stuff that will put your money to good use producing a great Cubs podcast. So please be, be involved with it. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. And you'll never hear me ask you again because I cut those all out of the show. So you'll never hear it again. You'll never hear this little uh, song that's playing. You'll never hear about uh, any of the, uh, the advertisers that are fed us through our podcast network. You won't hear any about, of it. You'll just hear Cubs talk. You won't have your time wasted. And it is really cheap. A dollar, two dollars, three dollars. If you would buy each one of us a beer at Wrigley Field... That's like the three, four dollar level. So come on, join today. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Quit screwing around. Here's the rest of the show. Yeah, it was it was cool to see guys doing that. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Bernie's in here. Bernie wants to talk a little bit. And uh I'm not sure what she wants to talk about, but Bernie. Bernie How about Cubs talk? Caroling? Good. First of all, I gotta thank Bernie. For uh, hooking us up, uh, we came to Cubs Caroling, hooked us up with those uh, flashing Christmas lights to wear around our neck, and we got um, like jingle bell pendants. So re- really, just in the mood. So thank you, Bernie, for making that. We that was that was a lot of fun. I had a good time. I that was a weird that was a weird Cubs Caroling this year because it was right <laughs> after T box. And so, like, no, none of the bartenders or the door people were in any kind of mood for, uh, you know, us to roll through. And, you know, I mean, a lot, a lot of people showed up. I'm not, I'm not going to say everybody. I mean, it was John Pickens' birthday. Bleacher Jeff was there. Corey and Chrissy came. Uh, my Ty. Ty, Dan Nielsen, and uh, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, yeah. So, Allison. Uh, yeah. So we had a... Yeah, and the list, I'm going to forget somebody and feel bad, but I've already listed just about everybody that was there. Um, wasn't it Silgis? Bill Silgis, yeah. Can we oh, God, Bill? yeah. We- um, of course. And, uh, you know, so we, we had a great night. We went around, we sang everything. But it was it was weird. There were a couple stops along the way where I really felt unwelcome. 
<laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. you know, and Carly, you're so funny because you don't give a fuck. Like, you know, because I'm, I'm in there and be like, dude, the vibe is like not good for this. And Crowley's like, we are the Cubs, Carolee crew. And I'm just like, oh, God, we're going to get our asses kicked. <laughs> we end up singing happy birthday to a doorman who it wasn't his birthday. And he they just wanted us out of there. All these couples on dates and we're singing in their faces. The barstool bros. But I thought the highlight of the Cubs caroling event was singing at Wrigley because it's so beautiful out there. And when we were on those steps, what do we sing like three or four uh, songs? And we had a huge crowd, huge crowd. And everybody had their cell phones out and they're taking pictures and they're going live and doing everything. And like that's that, that moment right there made it all worth it. It made me think that next year, what we should do is uh, we can carol, but the main event is a Cubs concert on those steps. Like, we will do our, like, top ten songs there. And so then that is the family-friendly event is, like, you know, basically a half-hour choir concert from the carolers, and then we'll run around and get drunk. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, no, that sounds great. Kerry Myers is fantastic. And, and you remember... <laughs> So we're sitting there and we, we, we do the, we do the songs. And like I said, like Danny said, that was just kind of like all of a sudden everything stopped when we were there at the Chris Kindle Mart and everybody's looking at us and we're, we're singing, we're having a great time. Everybody is loving it. There's like children on parents' shoulders, all that shit. They probably thought we were paid. They probably thought we were part of it. I'm like, no, no, no. They didn't know they were, we were coming. And if they did, they would have kept us out. So that we were moving back onto Clark Street, and all of a sudden this trolley pulls up. I have no idea what this trolley <laughs> is, and we're like, "Shit, let's jump on the trolley!" So we jump on a trolley. We did a couple. Ki- she was great, dude. We should have just rolled around that trolley. We should have stopped at a liquor store, grabbed some beers, and hung out on the trolley. Those people were darn into it. Yeah, the trolley. Those those were that moment. That little just kind of uh, like microcosm of that moment, which was probably 20 minutes of time was, was definitely the apex of the situation, but we, we had, we had fun, man. Like it ended up at, um, Nisei lounge and that was fun. Just hanging out with everybody. And, you know, and that's most of it is just, I enjoyed a singing with everybody and singing these fun songs that I wrote, but also just like seeing everybody in, in the winter, because, you know, it's now we're like going on like freaking two years of COVID and like, there's people I haven't seen barely at all, you know, that I used to see all the time. So it's just nice to see a few of you out there. Oh, uh, Brandon Stahl was another guy that was out there. And he brought, he brought that guy from, um, where was he well, from? He Serbia. Brought us Serbia. Serbia. Let, yeah. Say, let, let Bernie tell us. Can you hear me? Oh, uh, Bernie, I didn't even know you were in the room because my shit doesn't work. So. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Bernie, tell, tell us how these drunken assholes got it all wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh! It went by so fast. Oh my! I couldn't believe how fast it went. Um, yeah. So the T. Did you know it was going to be T box, Danny? <laughs> I knew it was going to be T box, but did you know it was going to be T box that day? Bernie, of course you knew it was going to be T box. No, no, I, 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 no, I found out it was going to be T box when Crawley texted me. He's like, "Oh fuck, it's going to be T box," <laughs> and I was like. It'll be fine. <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I mean, there were at that that. Oh, I went. I went by that bar that said Elfed Up when I left. Um, when I drove back to dr- go home, it had a line wrapped around a block to go in there. Elfed Up is a lot of fun, and they've been cool yeah. to us in the past. But that was okay. the, that was the point when 
when Danny when Danny said, "Hey, you know, uh, we're going to do it on this day," and all of a sudden I saw the T box thing, and I'm just going like, because everybody's on their last nerves. You know what I mean? Everybody everybody's been yeah. dealing with drunken yeah. assholes since nine in the morning. Yeah. yeah, maybe we should maybe we should make it like a Sunday thing. You know what I mean? Like, do do, do oh, it. Well, Saturday it, it Saturday was fun. It is asking, what is yeah. T box? So T twelve bars of Christmas, right? It's been going on for like twenty some years. Crawl. It's a huge. It's a pub crawl, right? It's a huge pub crawl. It starts in the morning. You wear your pajamas, and you're supposed to bring a box of cereal. And like, there's like this whole like thing about it. But like, basically, what ends up is people just get like. So sloppy drunk. The ambulances are going up and down Clark Street, like taking like people to to, to detox. It's just people are getting in. There's puke all over the sidewalks. Yeah, remember that, Bernie? Where we were going to Nice, and there's like, oh, watch out for the three different piles of puke. (laughs) But Molly, the 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 MC on the trolley, her name was Molly, and she loved us. And some of the and some of the people on that bus, they look like they're ready to go home and go to bed. (laughs) <laughs> they kind of weren't into us, and but she was into us. And then I went back on and gave Bleacher Band Bomb a shout out, shout out. So because she was so she was very interested in your band, and you know what? it was very very fun. Um, you guys are great company. I felt like it was like oh we don't even have time to get a drink. We gotta go to the next place, you know. But I was thinking, I'm just thinking this that maybe we could like commission matt or that person that made crowley sign and make a sign and put like christmas lights on it and, and put cubs caroling on it and standing at wrigley and sing i did think that was the best part to you guys being in wrigley all the people you there know, were so into us <laughs> you know danny always danny brings up you know we always sit there while it's happening and have all these great ideas for next year and then by the time we get there we forget yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, that was that was real fun, and um, yeah, it was fun to be at. Uh, I like Nisei the best. That was fun, and I was thinking maybe also like at the last place, maybe order some pizza and eat it at the last place because you know what? I was hungry. <laughs> 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 Smelling all that good food at some of those restaurants, I, yeah. I'm like, I didn't even eat. I was planning on eating when we got there, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm starved. And that is a great point. I was hungry too. Okay, so that's on the list, too. So we know the page numbers yeah. for the hymnals. Uh, I did actually went back and looked, Danny, and, and the, the last one you sent me didn't have the page numbers, but the previous two did. Oh, I, mean, I can make whatever kind of sign you guys want, but if you want to fit in it regularly, you might as well just take a Sharpie and write on some cardboard. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah. And also, Danny's um, songs with the lyrics, he did such an awesome job. What my... Favorite was Sammy Sosa. Bernie, did they sing your song though? No, that's no, that's know. too hard to sing. <laughs> we sang, I, and we sang "Let It Stroll" and Sammy Sosa, and what else? Oh, Frank Schwindel. Korea was a big hit. Yeah. Oh no, that was the best. Oh my god. That, yeah, people that, like it. that's the Gloria that one. one is, hey, there's, we're getting a lot of background noise. Okay. Sounds like somebody's crunching. Oh, me, I was, crying, I was looking at the song list. Sorry. <laughs> But um, <laughs> like I was, I was uncrinkling it because I had already thrown it away in the garbage. I, I assumed Danny was making another drink. <laughs> I'm like, you made a lot of copies. What'd you do? Get a box of paper and just you went to the. It's like you're passing a um, uh, song. Well, Stuart, Stuart made him. I have Stuart to thank for that. He that made was all nice. Wait a second! I damn well printed ninety copies now, off at work. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. God damn it, dude. <laughs> I'm literally risking my job for your ass. Yeah, I was uh, sorry. I was thinking about uh, the night before when Stuart, I actually saw them come out there. Yeah, but you did all the, um, the you, you did all the packets. That's right. So your taxpayer money paid yeah. for that. Sorry, dude. Damn. Cr- Crawling less than half <laughs> yeah, the school's budget. Sorry, I'm doing, I'm doing two things at once uh, right now because I'm, I'm actually um, uh, I'm texting with uh, John Baker and Glendon Rush right now. Uh, so, and, and so that's why I was like distracted. Sorry, Carl. I didn't mean to, but, um, I've got, uh, I've I've got, uh, well, first of all, Baker's listened to the Bleacher Bum Band album and he loves it. He wants us to make another one and we are, so that's good. Um, and, uh, Glendon, remember how he said he's working on something with Dempster? Well, guess what? Yeah, yeah. We're going to, we definitely have a sneak peek out of it, but we're not allowed to talk about it. So I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna. I'm Ooh, gonna send. Good. So this is gonna be the text thread when all these other assholes can't see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but just get ready. I mean, I mean, it really, it really is true. Like Glendon is like wants to launch with us, so that's really cool. Like you know, that he would trust me with this information, but he's like, don't tell anybody except for you know the three of us because he's excited about it but uh not to get us off track but but that's why i fucked up crawley i'm very sorry you did a lot of work good you did a lot of work (laughs) but i was like thinking i'm like oh what what are we talking about oh yeah the song sheets i'm like oh yeah Stuart printed those and i was like no of course of course you did it crawley (laughs) but yeah we need page numbers we need pizza we need uh probably bigger print because i was having trouble i mean i'm getting old i mean i mean i guess i was like because i was trying to make it so that it was less pages but we might need more pages and just bigger print. That 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 that's part of the the show is like you tell everybody, okay, get your reading glasses out, and then everybody pulls out hanging around their necks. You need a harmonica to start us off. Do you play harmonica? I, I no, I can I have a pitch pipe actually. I I thought oh. about that, but I think even if I had a pitch pipe. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would hit the right pitch. Like I just, I'm. Oh my I god! Don't. Yeah, I, I was getting. <laughs> that's the only, Danny. That's the only thing I'm missing. You know, I, I brought Danny. I brought the uh, the jingle bells to the Club 400, but I forgot them at. Uh, I forgot them at what you call it. I didn't bring it to the Cub Caroling. Were they big ones? You should have brought them. No, they're little. He just forgot I, them. I oh, just forgot them. I'll it was. It was a uh, late, late night. I we I didn't get home. Uh, I didn't get home until uh, three in the morning Friday night. So basically, yeah, it was, it was a late one. Oh, you must. Have been, you guys must have been tired on Sunday. And I just want to give a shout out to my Thai guy. <laughs> he walked me to my truck. I was glad. And then, you know, before he got to my truck, he said, yeah, somebody got carjacked over here. I'm like, thank God he walked me to my truck. But <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, huh? don't you understand that you're in more danger? If my yeah, yeah, my tie guy you? attracts trouble. I mean, you saw, I mean, he's got a black eye right now, for Christ's sake, you know? <laughs> I know. Did he get it that night? No, no, he got it like a couple nights before because he got it in a fucking fight with an Uber driver. So it's just... It's like you walk to the truck with my tie guy, like you're just putting yourself in harm's way. I would, yeah, it's, it's like, all right, I just kind of stand a, a little bit to the gentleman. side. Gentlemen. No, and I appreciate him walking oh, me because. No, my tie guy is wonderful. It's the people that yeah. want to beat him up. They suck. Yeah. yeah. He just, something about that guy's electric. You know, like he's like one of those mag- magnetic people who tr- attract, who can attract trouble. 
but absolutely, man, is one of the most misunderstood people I know in the fact that he has a heart of gold. His moral compass is, you know, point straight north. You know what I mean? Like that's where he, that's where he is as a person. But everybody thinks of him differently than that because of how he comes off. Because he's so rough around. He's rough around the edges. He's, you know, that's just what it is. And so okay. he rubs people the wrong way uh, for whatever reason. You know what he reminds me? He, he reminds me of Animal from the Muppets. Correct. <laughs> yeah. he, he does a little bit. He yeah. really kind of just like his everything, his look, his demeanor is just kind of like animal from the Muppets who looks like he may like be like some crazy mofo, but really is like a really nice guy. And so like <laughs> there's this time that uh, well, it, one time we were at the bars really late and uh, I was with Scotty, who I mentioned earlier from Marquee and Scotty had a lot to drink. I had a lot to drink. I had just driven through Colorado 17 hours and barely had any sleep. And I'm like, I'm crashing at your place. Scotty. Yeah, no problem. My tie walked us because we were in no shape to really be walking by ourselves without getting lost. And he takes us in, takes, you know, let make sure you're all comfortable, puts a blanket on you, that type of guy. And then the next morning I get a text and it's a, it's a baby Yoda. I know this is out of Danny's wheelhouse. It's a baby Yoda placement, like a, like a doormat. And I was like, what the fuck is my, he's like, you asked me to send you this picture last night. I'm like, I don't fucking remember that. Wait, it, a baby, he asked you to send a picture of it, of a baby Yoda? I did. Oh. I asked him. I didn't remember the night before. I had oh. no idea why he was sending it to me. And I'm like, dude, you didn't have to do that. You could just said, uh-huh, and just threw me on the ground. It wouldn't have mattered. I wouldn't have remembered about the baby Yoda doormat. Yeah, no, the the dude's like a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. And, I mean, if, if we're going to tell my Thai stories, like, you know, it, there's, you know, when when that whole shit went down with the the basket and the baseball and the Schwarber walk-off homer, I, I, you know, we had him on Sunranto and we talked about it. And like, I mean, the guy, he spent all the time, like he went on the radio, he went on WGN, he went on like all the news shows, like trying to do damage control. And I'm telling him, like, I'm texting him the whole time. I'm like, I think you might be better off not going on the shows. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, you're doing a great job. I'm like, but everybody thinks you're nuts. And, like, it's just impossible. Like, I don't know if, like, because he's on there being like, he's like, it's hot out there. He's like, make sure you check on your elderly neighbors. He's like, you never know they could be dying up there. And you got to go up there and check out. I mean, like, he was just, he's just like a, he's exactly like the, he's a wonderful man. And he wants, like, the best for all people at all times. And like it, I've never seen in person more misunderstood than my Thai guy. You know, like you said, like he'll he's the guy that puts a blanket on you. Yeah, you know, oh, he's the guy that walks you to your yeah, car. Exactly, he's the guy that you know will always help out a fellow man in need. He is always concerned about everybody that's around him and how it comes off. And somehow, a guy like that is also the dude that gets himself into more scrapes and trouble than anybody I've ever seen in my life. So it's just like. You know, it's it's funny. It's like it it's funny how it runs at extremes like that. And uh, and and to be fair, he do, he usually yeah. is pretty late to leave the party. You know what I mean? Like he'll pop in, and then like all of a sudden it's like three or four in the morning. And we all know good things really don't happen well, at three four in the morning. Well, my ties are pretty strong. Drinks <laughs> drink a bunch of them, and because you know I like my ties, but I don't drink them anymore because they can get me drunk too. So, <laughs> but um. 
I, I, I don't like my ties, but I like my tie. I like my tie guy, but I just, he was a true gentleman, class A. I have to say, I love all you guys, super cup fans. I love you super cup fans <laughs> and all your personalities. And also another thing was kind of cool is that, um, uh, Corey and Chris, they, you know, they stayed in a hotel and I think Bill did. I'm like, what a good idea. I could get a couple extra friends and we could make a weekend out of it as well. You could do something like that and can have more people next year. So in that way, you know, and I, I didn't, you know, I wanted to check out Wrigley more and it's like, wow, I want to go back this weekend, maybe take somebody else and just check out Wrigley more than the bars because it was beautiful. I, I, I can't. I cannot emphasize enough, and, and I remember when they first talked about the triangle building many Cubs moons ago at Cubs convention, and I have a picture of like their mock-up, and it looks exactly like it, just as beautiful as you would think it is, with the lights, with the skating rink, with the decorations, with the tree. It's just gorgeous. Like If you have an opportunity to head down to Wrigley in the wintertime, absolutely take it. It, it, it cannot, you, will, you will not regret it. It's just as beautiful in the wintertime as it is the summertime. So, you know what, uh, so we, we still have Matt here in the chat. Matt, can you still hear us? Okay, good. Uh, so, you know, you said that your yeah, I get, I gotcha. uh, stepson, right, is a Cardinals fan. What was his takeaway after seeing yep. what he saw? Because, like, sure as is. Bernie just said, we're, like, the best people in the world. So, what? <laughs> so... <laughs> So we took him, uh, it, it was my son's 10th birthday on Friday. So before the event, I actually drove up, um, that day I had to pick up my fiance from the airport cause she was flying in from Belgium. And, uh, so I picked her up there and then we headed over to, uh, to Wrigley and I took him, uh, took him skating for a little bit before they closed, uh, closed Gallagher way down. Cause it was, it was pouring rain and, uh, so then we headed over to the event, but he got in the car afterwards and he goes, I got to say this guys, Cubs fans are better than Cardinal fans. <laughs> well, but I mean, to be fair, Matt, do you drive him around sometimes and just point at like homeless people and be like, that's a Cardinal fan? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't. I, I do point out a whole bunch of fucked up shit down here for sure. For sure. Oh, we. Uh, I wish I could. No, that's awesome. I wish we could have went caroling with you guys, but I. Uh, I literally we got back to the hotel like one uh, thirty, and then I had to be on the road at five a.m. the next day because I had to work at noon. So, <laughs> I, uh, I. I. I don't know why I'm envisioning some. Uh, what was that movie? The King of Staten Island, whatever tattoos. Uh, oh, I haven't. Even, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, Pete Davidson looking weird tattoos. Like I could it could have been some messed up tattoos yeah. that day. I, I made Kelsey drive. I, I slept the whole way. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, speaking of getting older and Danny not being able to see somebody at the party, I must be showing my age. I mean, I just turned forty, but somebody at the party totally thought that Kelsey was my daughter. <laughs> Ew. Oh man! Well, well, she, well she's thirty-two, guys. I mean, 32. I mean, I don't really. I mean, I would never think that. I mean, who 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 said that? That must oh. have been somebody. It was uh, it was Kent Ryan. So, so yeah, yeah I love I love Kent. 
But uh, uh, Kent's great. A, a lot of times his eyes don't open all the way if you catch my drift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not to, not to mention the fact he might have been trying to be complimentary. You know what I mean? No, it was, it, it was actually it wasn't Kent Ryan. It was Kent Ryan's uh, girlfriend or fiance, wife, whatever it is. And Kent's like, no, I'm pretty sure oh. that's his. Uh, that's his girlfriend. So. <laughs> Yeah, and then, right, and then you don't know how to answer that. It's like, yeah, uh, she she looks amazing, but also, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like she's just better than I am, guys. Like I, you know. Yeah, no, that happened to me. Uh, honestly, it, it happened to me recently, and and somebody said like they thought my wife was twenty five, but they did not extend that compliment to me <laughs> in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had, I had an old dad, like, uh, my, my father was born in 1932, so, like, he was already almost 40 when, you know, I was born, but my mother was only eight years younger than him, but uh, my mom still looks very young for her age. She's 82 now, and you wouldn't think it, considering, like, you know, what 70-year-olds look like sometimes, but... It would happen all the time that everybody thought my dad was my grandpa and my mom was his daughter and like, and he hated it. And we would just laugh at him. You know what I mean? We're like, ah, you know, Hey old man, you look old. And then, you know, but it's, it, it's true though, man, because it's just like, you don't really have control over how you age versus your partner. And so it, she, I, so I just yeah. play it off. I'm like, God it's, damn right. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I don't know if it's where guy. we're at in society to now with, uh, you know, with the equality and, uh, you know, women's rights and people paying for, you know, women can pay for the dates and stuff, but like, we'll go out to eat. And every time we go out to eat, I don't know if they're just like being politically correct or taking a shot because they're like, is this going to be, uh, two checks, like, yeah. oh every, God, damn, every time. <laughs> now all I can tell you, it, I, I, I can tell you right now. I'm sorry, that's, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> that's crazy. I I can tell you right now is that every person a like they can't believe I'm married, and then b when they find out and meet my wife, they say you are a saint. Like it literally well, is the first word out of their nobody mouth. Nobody can believe you're married because none of us have ever seen your wife. <laughs> oh, everybody seen it. <laughs> I met everything by I, himself. I, I met and spoke to her on Friday. Hey, you did. Yeah. See? yeah, she gave the club four hundred. Even she just hasn't met you. She's trying to. She's trying to. He's trying to keep her away from you because we all know your reputation. No, we, well, we, I, we, uh, that may, that may be. I, I can totally understand that. We had a bunch of little sense. kids with us in Colorado last time when we were up in, uh, when we went to Coors Field, they were kind of, you know, watching all the little ones. We had a lot of little ones. So I came up to have a beer with Michael. So that was just, but, just in my defense, you've been in Colorado most of the well, time. Well, and, but, uh, you know, Matt, to me, like you and Kelsey make a perfect couple. Like you guys look like you belong together, you know, like, it, and so I would never think that if I yeah, was serving I mean, you at a restaurant. We're both heavily tattooed, you know. You like, look like it, you've been together for fifty years, you know. I mean, I mean, not yeah. no, that's not. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know. That I mean, that's thirty-five. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, twenty-five. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, before she, before yeah, before she was, she was born, born, we were together <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> I guess that's how that works. <laughs> she was, 
it, it, it was an or I knew her parents. It was arranged. <laughs> uh, uh, well, your parents were good to you. No, dude, you guys look like a couple. I would never think that. That's so funny. That weird that that happens to you guys. Um, yeah. So, well, um, I don't know. We, we've kind of uh, we're, we're at the end of our hour ish. So, uh, what does everybody have going on tonight? Tonight's, and I got to mention this. I'm on my way right after we finish this uh, call. I'm going to go hang out at Nisei Lounge. Uh, I, I know this is live, so if anybody's in the area, I'm going to Nisei Lounge right now because it's Bleacher Jeff's birthday. <laughs> so, hey! Tell him I will, I will birthday, tell birthday. him, uh, you know, everybody says that uh, from the show and stuff. But uh, and, and he's got a website to still build me. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's got a website. To, uh, he, he, that's all he does with his day, I think, is build websites. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get get on him. Uh, you got to you got to get on him every day. I know this. I've been in a band with this guy. You got to you got to you got to keep on. That's all. It's all good, man. Well, uh, off air. I'll talk to you guys about some uh, information I got today from uh, from uh, a Mr. Joe uh, from Obvious Shirts. So uh, regarding uh, licensing moving forward. Uh, oh, yeah. boy, Glenn's Glenn's giving us some bombs, and yeah. now Matt's giving us some bombs. This is breaking news all well, over M- today. MLB doesn't do shit, and that means everybody else is going to make some moves. You know, no, it's a. Uh, I'm making moves, but I'm not going to pay them all that damn money they want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> they're to get so much, man, and you know that that's a that's a topic for another day about you know yeah, how yeah, they sure you know. Yeah. And, I'm, but, I'm not a lawyer, but during the lockout, I think you could do anything you want with the players. Can I just say something though? Like, like I just think about like this amazing network of connection. Like I was talking about earlier between Club 400 and the Ranters and all these different groups and how everybody helps each other out, and it's all intertwined, man. And it's such a cool thing to experience. Yeah, it I is. Drive, I drive to Chicago on Friday, and all of a sudden, I've got Kyle Hendricks' dad's business card in my pocket because he. Uh, <laughs> He wants me to do art for Kyle, so that's cool. John Hendricks is one of the nicest guys ever, man. I've had so yeah, much, so nice, so the, much the fun greatest, with him and his wife. He uh, told me uh, some awesome stories while I was sitting there. Oh, he is. He's absolutely. And the funny thing is, he's so unassuming. You know what I mean? He doesn't like Hendricks is dead. Yeah. Like he just like you'd have no clue, no, and then all of a sudden, like I remember. The, <laughs> I had I had no idea. He uh Stu was like, Hey, I have somebody that wants to talk to you and he uh he wanted me to do art for him. So. That's great. Yeah, to be to be fair, you wouldn't know that Kyle was a, a major <laughs> either. No, no, not just down the street. No, he didn't even look like an athlete. Yeah. No, not um it, Matt, are you gonna do one of those gray silhouettes over a map? <laughs> I should. I so should. Oh my god! I could do one for every single city and be done with them all in the same day. Exactly. <laughs> Just not only, not only that, Matt, but donate a portion to the MLBPA, man, and let's let's see, let's hope the players can kick some ass, <laughs> dude. They, we'll we'll talk about those numbers. That those, man, the numbers that I heard today are just ridiculous. So you can assume. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's I no, I I do assume, and in fact, like it, something I want, I I looked up, and uh, maybe I'll just leave everybody. We can end this conversation so I can go down to celebrate with Jeff. But uh, I looked up on Wikipedia, 
1994 strike and uh, just kind of read all about it and, you know, looked up a few things. And, um, you know, I, I found it pretty interesting. So I kind of encourage everybody to, like, look into that labor dispute and, and go back into the history of where we are. I mean, I, I was almost thinking of that for a green room topic or a, uh, you know, a, are we talking about how it was still Rob Manfred's fault back then too? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, no, actually it was the, it was uh what's his name? Um, Selig. Yeah. I mean, Selig was, was Selig. the guy then. And uh, you know, and it, 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 but it's, it's the same shit. I mean, your job is to make money for the owners. Manfred was their head lawyer at oh, yeah. that time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And then Manfred was the, was, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's the same shit. It's like over maybe, and over again. Maybe we do, maybe we should do a baseball rabbit hole on this. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I mean, I'm just saying like, it, it's interesting to, you know, we're automatically on the side of the players, you know, and back then the narrative was very much anti-player. I think, Oh, look at these greedy guys that play a kid's game for a living and but I I did like run some like inflation numbers like based upon what the average salary was then and average salary would be now based upon um you know you know just kind of where it would be and it's four times higher even even adjusting for inflation the average salary so like you know a guy like Glennon Rush when he was came up in the league and was playing like you know the average salary being just about a million dollars. Like adjusting for inflation, that still wouldn't be the average salary of today, which is four million dollars. So, like these guys are getting a lot of money, and they figured out how to monetize just about everything about the sport. Um, you know, partnerships with Mastercard, and you know, even their charity work goes towards making more money. And um, so, and, and I am interested to hear from you, Matt, about like the licensing concept and what those numbers really are too. But, but I think we need, but I, I guess what I'm saying is back then that it was owners are greedy and players are greedy. Now we're taking labor side because I think labor in general is getting fucked in our whole society. So we're taking the baseball player side, but I think we need to get back to the narrative of how about everybody take less. You well, know. Eh, oh, either that. that, either that, or you got to pay a teacher $200,000 a year. And just call. He's like, "Cool, <laughs> let's do it." Well, yeah, no, that 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 a hundred percent should happen. I mean, po- cops are making a hundred grand. You know, all these things, all these well, people make a hundred grand. If cops are making a hundred grand. They might be making too much. Well, I'm just saying, uh, there's a who who makes what is fucked up in this country is what I'm saying. It's like, you know, what brother, what certain people make versus there's it's just there's such stratification along the lines of our whole society that I think that if they can't get a, I mean, God, I almost avoided the, the entire subject all night. And then I, at the end I bring it up, but like, you know, I'm just saying like, it was, you did the same thing on the podcast. Like you told Glennon, you're like, I'm glad we didn't talk about this at all. What do you think about what it? What do you think about it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I guess it's just like elephant in the room. But um, anyway, I, I was reading about the 94 strike, and I and I would like to talk about it and, and see it maybe through a current, current work stoppage lens. And Anyway, they actually had a better arbitration situa- situation for the players before. They did, and they had a, they had a better negotiator. That the last C, again, the last CBA screws things up, and now what the players want to do is kind of get back, and it's just 
again, you don't get something without giving something up. So you can't lose and get pants as bad as the Cubs did last time and then expect to recover somehow because the owners aren't going to do it. Average salary is higher than it was then, and that's adjusting for inflation. And I'm not talking about a little bit higher. I'm like talking four times. But but you know what I you know what I found out today though is that pitchers dig hitting home runs, and that's how we end because the fucking <laughs> DH in the NL needs to stay, or, or DH in the AL needs to stay. No, the pitchers hitting in the NL. That's what everybody wants. It's so good. Uh, we keep it different. You know, me and Glenn are yeah. on the same page there. All right. Well, there's the last word. What do you say we spagog out of here and uh, and forget this all ever happened? <laughs> <laughs> you you are heading to Nisa right. to try and make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, good night. I had a fun tonight. That was great, guys. Uh, so, And thanks for everybody who showed up. Uh, I can't see the who's – listening in the chat, but um yeah. Eric Ginter, Dominic Galoro, Bernie Barron still here. Twelve guests that don't have Green Room app. What are you waiting for? Download it, get it, let's do it. Yeah, then you can actually talk. You can be part of the show and talk to us. And uh hey, let's not forget our Scottish friend. Yes, Kev- Kevin McCro- Kevin McCroom. Why the fuck do people jump into this? <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's it's quickly becoming my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we have had two people do it, and it's been amazing both times. I know. <laughs> we need Kevin to return. Yeah, we need Kevin back. <laughs> and, and and do an impression every week. So we'll uh, have him do an impression of Bill oh, Sugars. And, and I want more music from the first guy. Remember that dude? He's oh, yeah. He's play my music. I was I, I was kind of thinking like maybe Kevin is a fake Scottish guy, you know like maybe oh. he's practicing his accent. I mean, he was obviously crazy, and but I mean, that kind of fit in well well with us. But so well, uh, all right. I'm gonna go down to Bleacher Jeff's birthday party before it gets uh, too late. Um, I'm gonna be riding against 25 mile per hour winds down there. So wish me luck. Oh, God, you're yeah. riding your bike, dude? What? Good luck, man. You're riding your bike? I bike everywhere. <sighs> Danny it's my life. Down. We're going to see another video of Danny getting getting crashed, but this time it's just by wind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's video of me getting crashed? Oh, no, that's my that's me jumping out the stage at G-Man Tavern. <laughs> or that's you falling off a scooter in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nobody of that, I think. <laughs> I like how Danny's like, there's video of me getting dressed and he names four things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that one time. Oh, yeah. The other time. Oh, and then I want to hurt my shoulder. <laughs> mm. All right, guys. Have a good night. All right. Good night. Swig out. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.